Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, and welcome to our Monday Night Podcast. We are People Against Covert Torture and Surveillance International. I'm Derek Robinson, the moderator. It is Monday, June 13th, 2016. We are here on Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time if you'd like to join us live to educate and assist those who are targets of organized stalking, remote electronic assault, and more, and to let you know that you are not alone and that there are many thousands and millions of us nationwide and worldwide working together for our freedom. Views expressed during our podcast are solely those of our callers. Tonight our guest is technology expert Todd Giffen. Um, He'll be speaking briefly, and Dr. Seth Farber had an emergency and couldn't be here tonight. Uh, We'll also be talking about the New York Times article. Okay, now for some announcements. Here's an update on Dave Voigt's walk across America. He has just entered West Virginia, according to his latest Facebook post, and is now about 300 miles into his 6,800-mile cross-country journey to raise awareness of our issues. Dave is walking the American Discovery Trail, which is a series of hiking and biking trails which stretch from Cape Henlopen State Park in eastern Delaware to Point Reyes National Seashore in San Francisco. He expects the journey to be about six to seven months to complete. And those that would like more information about his walk and would like to donate to his effort may visit his GoFundMe page at w.gofundme.com slash ti-in-america. The United Nations International Day in Support of Survivors and Victims of Torture is Sunday, June 26, and it's on this day in 1987 that the Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhuman, and Degrading Treatment or Punishment entered into force. For more information, you can visit the site w.tortureawareness.org. And for those of you that were working to help her, I received word that Barbara Michaela in Michigan has been released from the psych hospital as of this afternoon. The next meeting of the Portland Support Group will be Sunday, July the 9th, 2016, from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. The location is the Hollywood Branch Library, 4040 Northeast Tillamook in Portland, Oregon. The contact person is Amy, and she can be reached at amy, L-A-D-E-R-Y-E-S, at gmail.com. Thanks, 
many thanks to those of you who are joining PACS. It is much, much appreciated. And our membership is $25, and it can be sent via PayPal. And there are three methods to donate. Uh, you can send directly to our email address, which is info at PACSNTL.org. Or you may click the Donate button at our website, which is w.paxntl.org. Or you can access our PayPal link, which is paypal.me slash paxntl. You may also mail your check or money order, made payable to Pax International, to Pax International PO Box 5405, Hammett, California, Nine two five four four. Okay, our guest tonight is Todd Giffen, who will be speaking briefly uh, about his experience at the Left Forum. Dr. Seth Farber had an emergency and couldn't be here uh, tonight. The Left Forum was held last month in New York City, and this is basically a gathering of progressive activists to examine the issues that are important for them which are usually those uh, that are also important for us. It is also a very important networking opportunity for our cause because hundreds of activists attend this event each year. Plus, there are millions of activists across the U.S. who would undoubtedly take up our movement if they actually knew of the existence of radio frequency weapons and that all of society is vulnerable to being accessed and controlled by mad scientists. This is important information that should absolutely be available to this group of people who would be willing and able to take action to remedy this Holocaust. So tonight we'll hear from Todd Giffen about uh, his experience at the Left Forum and what he and Dr. Farber hopefully are planning to do next as a follow-up to this event. And later on, or perhaps even during this discussion, we like to speak about the New York Times article, which many are anxious to talk about tonight. So this time, I'd like to go ahead and welcome Todd Giffen to our podcast. And let me see if I can find Todd. I'd like it by itself, but I, I, I don't want any meat in it. Okay, there's somebody that came unmuted there. Okay, there's Todd. Okay, uh, hi Todd, are you there? Yes. Hi. Okay, welcome to the welcome to the call tonight. Appreciate your your coming on and being with us. And yes, thanks for having me. A couple of weeks, Dr. Farber can be here uh, to uh, to speak as well. Um, if you'd like to, Todd, if you want to speak about your uh, presentation and then when Dr. Farber can be with us, uh, you both can join us. As, you know, you can also join us. But if you'd like to tell us about what your presentation, you know, what did you speak about and, and um, yes. some of the actions. Uh, yes. Um, so the title of the panel I was on was the neoliberalism and the mental health system, the failure of the left. And I was on the panel with two other psychologists, Dr. Lauren Tenney, who is a junked assistant professor at CUNY and Dr. Seth Farber, PhD. And they're both hip to this issue um, of human rights violations at multiple levels. Uh, their specialty is 
the the pharmaceutical industrial complex, which is the drugging of people and uh, administering of electroshock and other things against people's will. Uh, Lauren Tenney presented information on how the FDA is trying to reclassify electroshock to make it easier to, to give to people to the point that it's going to be like the 1960s again, where doctors will just be zapping everybody. And it has all sorts of devastating effects, um, erasing about 40% of a person's brain. It's a traumatic brain injury that you get from it. Um, and there's just a, a powerful activist movement against that. But the FDA, uh, they usually make decisions um, that are not in the people's interest. Um, and uh, they represent the doctors and the companies that want to push this um, to make money. So the manufacturers of the shock devices and the doctors who will you know, be getting paid highly for every treatment they uh, force on somebody or even do just by, you know, manufacturing consent, you know, giving them false information or, you know, falsely diagnosing them and not offering them alternative treatments first. Um, and just, yeah, it's, they, they don't really uh, seem to care too much if there's a huge risk. So if they can uh, apply a label or a diagnosis to you, um, for sure, they will try to administer shock therapy. Um, and then uh, Dr. Seth Farber had a, a nice uh, discussion, uh, you know, on the history of psychiatry and how it's been mostly used for harm and uh, um, profiting off of people. Um, and he introduced me and I discussed my experience uh, with psychiatry um, and how I became a target individual. Um, it was my experience that, uh, psychiatry, they have access and knowledge to, uh, military, uh, level information on this. And they actually do things for the, what the, like the deep state or the national security state. So like the cops will bring you as a person into say a hospital for the psychiatrist or like little police officers who, you know, instead of like throwing you in jail, although you're locked up in a hospital, um, they will also administer harmful like treatments, like to damage your brain, erase your memories, or just, they might just give you a diagnosis to discredit you for the cops and, you know, stuff like that. And that happened in my case. And at the same time, um, I was in a place that's it's almost like a, a prison center for anyone they can label mentally ill called the Oregon State Hospital, um, where they were putting voices in people's heads in secret and framing people and doing things to, you know, maintain their own security um, at the expense of the public's security. And the public would include anyone who ended up in this place. Um, I witnessed a lot of crime in that place. I was sexually abused. I saw drug smuggling by staff. There's morphine smuggled in, marijuana, tobacco. Staff members accept bribes in that place. They help with escape plots. Um, they lie and they frame patients. Like, and one one example of like how far the staff go, um, a staff member fabricates 
or fabricated a whole story on a patient on how an escape uh, uh, happened. The patient had been allowed to go up and see his mom alone and staff sits in the car and patient gets a little scared, you know, doesn't want to go back to the staff, walks off from his mom's house. And the staff, though, claim this person did a violent attack on him, shoved him, you know, down on the ground when the staff was trying to go in the apartment complex with him and everything. But, oh, my God, there was security video. They caught it. So the staff lied that, that time pretty big. And that's the type of stuff that happens in this place. You know, you're um, kind of like a scapegoat for everything. You full of shit. You understand that? You full of shit. Yeah. So at the Oregon State Hospital, I witnessed all all that crime. There was the sexual abuse of me, uh, drug smuggling, and one of the staff who sexually abused me actually married a patient, tried to bust him out of the hospital and everything, and different doctors in the facility, they didn't give a crap if this was real or going on. They never treated me like a victim, and as time went on, things were escalating where they were letting the cops, like, take part in like spying on me. So they were protecting the cops and letting them spy on me in the hospital. And staff were well aware of all the stuff that the target individuals are talking about. They had the ability to actually watch you like as a patient, watch you in your room with technology. And the staff were talking about it openly on the floors of the hospital, how they had technology outside of the building. that could peer through the walls and record a patient and watch the patient, watch them in the shower, watch them in their room. And they were intercepting intelligence. And this is NSA technology. This is the National Security Agency's space capability and radar stuff they're using. And as I witnessed this, I was writing it down and documenting dates and times because I had witnesses, patient witnesses, and there was cameras and microphones rolling and recording everything. Um, I sent this to governor's office, FBI, state police, administrators, and I said, send me a copy of the video and the audio because I'm being set up. I'm in danger. The staff are calling me names too here. You know, I'm, being, I'm a little shit. And I'm, I'm a fucker. I'm a rapist. I'm a child molester. They were doing all the same stuff that the targets complain about, how they're being uh, slandered and framed and everything. Um, so I, I was documenting all this stuff, and it was all caught on microphones. Um, there's a microphone every 10 feet in the ceiling of the building I was in, and they have cameras at every end of the hallway as well. Well, I never got that footage I requested, and instead, about August of 2008, and all the doctors knew this. All the staff knew that this was being done. They did a murder attempt on me by impinging my body with radiation. I had signals intelligence, just just like everything the TIs talk about. I was having remote nerve stimulation done. I was having voices put in my head and communications that I'd never heard or felt ever in my life before. And that's the presentation I gave. Some people asked questions. I had like a sign there that talked about special access programs. That's where they hide most of the sensitive programs um, with the NSA space capability. Um, and I... People ask me what was special access programs. I explained that and what is what is interferometry. I explain how that's a technology where they can uh, beam two or more um, microwaves or other signals together to actually 3D holographically scan something 
you know, like a building or a person inside of a building. And they can also send radiation into that person through the same uh, channel, you know. Um, I met a lot of people at Left Forum who already knew about this. There was other TIs. Um, They visited my panel. There's people I never met before who, who were there. I went to the plenary every night. Um, where they had Chris Hedges, Amy Goodman, um, Laura Flanders, um, and other people. Laura Flanders, I went up and spoke to personally. She was hosting uh, May 20th, uh, Friday night's plenary with Chris Hedges and Code Pink and someone else. And she said she already knows all about this, and she doesn't know anyone saying it's not going on. She had went to a London conference on this, some time back and she was like, you know, you know, sending me her, her best and everything. She handed me some contact info. She might be someone who's interested in having us on her TV shows. Um, she reaches 230 million people. She has multiple TV shows. Um, wow. I talked to Chris Hedges, Chris Hedges was interested, but you know, um, so far nothing came from Chris Hedges. Um, Dr. Seth Farber knows him personally and you know, us three, we all talked. We were hoping, you know, Chris Hedges would change his mind from previous opinion he had where he said he would not write about this. Um, hmm. um, I met someone named Webster Tarpley who talked about this as well, who had a whole panel on this. Webster Tarpley is a professor. He's got a website. I think it's like tarpley.net. Um Okay, Tarpley you said you had a panel on, on our issues on the, the electronic harassment, do you mean? Uh, yeah, well, his panel was on the post 9-11 national security state and something he called uh, counter surveillance provocation stalking, which actually discusses everything that we're talking about, um, the gang stalking, uh, the oh. harassment. Yeah, the, like there's way more out there. Um, than I've seen some TIs talk about. But he covered everything from like an academic's point of view, stuff from 200 years ago, how different countries have, you know, they've done this before. And then with FBI, you have Edgar Hoover, and he became the president. He started up Cointelpro. And since that program began, it's just kind of moved on to like different newer versions which he called Cointelpro like 2.0, Cointelpro 2016, which is the post 9-11 version. Like everything has been basically been put on steroids and he covered who's doing it. So you have NSA uh, who sits at the top and they're doing all the spying on everybody. There's the fiber optic taps, there's a satellite and radar grid, which lets them track people even if they're not using technology. So if you're not using a cell phone or a computer, they can use the satellites and the radar to actually look inside your home and listen to you and scan your brain, do an fMRI of your brain, take all your memories and decode them in real time, all your thoughts and everything. That's the neuromonitoring aspect. Um, mm-hmm. wow. Amy says that the NSA will then, you know, down below that is several other agencies who actually will do the stalking. So you have the Red Squads. New York has a Red Squad. Uh, San Francisco has a red squad. Homeland Security, he said, posts um, ads on like Craigslist with recruitment videos 
to get people to join up and take part in this. Um, the FBI pays stipends to people too. So they'll pay someone to actually go and harass and stalk a person or do something. Um, then the, you have the fusion centers where there's 1.5 fusion centers for every state. And the fusion centers integrate, you know, CIA, Air Force, Navy, local cops, state cops, sheriffs, the attorney general of each state. So they're all wired into this. These are the guys who, well, one, because they're tracking people and they, they can sit there and spy on someone and learn all sorts of secrets. Then they can send people out on the streets to um, control a person precisely. And they'll do this on the internet and offline. So they'll be online trolling. Uh, they'll be posting of slander. They'll be death threats, misdirection of mail, slashing of tires, all sorts of stuff. Um, I posted slides from his panel on my Twitter. You'll have to go to the media section on my Twitter. And I'm at Todd Giffen. And I think I posted them on May 21st. And the title of the first uh, uh, slide, which he was projecting in front of everybody, uh, was, I think it was the stuff Julian Assange and Edward Snowden didn't tell you. And this was kind of like some enhancement on everything. Now, everyone who did the panel, uh, there was Webster Tarpley, um, and there was two, like numerous other people who were part of the panel. There was a woman, they had a, someone who was running the camera, a couple of other people. They were all targets of this um, for numerous years. They had death threats sent to them over having this panel left for them. They had stalkers there harassing them. There had probably been, according to the woman, somewhere like 20, 30, or 40 something complaints. Like they were calling left form and harassing left form, trying to get left form to drop the panel and different things like that. And they were scared for their lives. I, it, so this is what the cops are doing to people. And it's all like stealth, right? So if you were to go like, hey, where's this online trolling? You know, where's this stalking going on? Um, and on the internet, it would look like um, something like everyone from the outside of this, you know, like the regular people, the regular citizens would be like, this is just a regular old person saying something on the internet, you know, it's like a educated comment or, or, you know, it's an attack that's unrelated to the military or law enforcement. But Webster Tarpley says that's what the public believes, but it's actually oftentimes law enforcement and military doing this, these types of attacks on people. Right. Um, and, and then in the public, of course, it, it's really done as stealthily as possible. And the cops know when you have, a camera or you have a microphone they can easily avoid detection so if you're sitting there running around trying to capture this they know the moments to exploit when you're not running it or you know they know how to do something that's so sly that only the person actually picks up on it um or it's just something that's very hard to trace you know, you know very difficult you'll go and you'll complain um you, you'll actually start to feel insane yourself that's one of the other uh, purpose of this you'll feel insane you'll feel like there's nothing you can do about it um but outside people will also think you're paranoid and insane when it's happening okay so, wow yeah 
Okay, that sounds like uh, you know a lot that uh, you observed there, Tyler. Appreciate your perspective and everything. Uh, so it sounds like you did some really uh, some really good networking there, especially with the um, with the lady that has the audience, the listening audience of what 230 million people, or listeners, or viewers, or something. Yeah, that's Laura Flanders. Yes. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. See, that's really um, that's the object of these conferences, you know, just uh, meeting people that have influence that can help you, you can help them, and so forth. Um, the uh, the left um, has always been a target of uh, covert harassment, and um, they're, I guess, basically, their um, their perpetrators have mostly been the FBI, NSA, and so forth. And um, I guess what yes. you may not realize is that this is actually spread from activists to the general public. And I guess that's the part they really kind of need to get, that, you know, that everybody's getting this type of treatment. So, um, so this Oh, yeah. Of, These guys uh, sit there running our infrastructure, our government, our law enforcement, our cities, our states. This is the treatment everyone's getting. You know, they could choose to be nice to you and not interfere with your life. It doesn't mean they're not spying on you and tracking everything you do. Um, and then, you know, they could still be going out and attacking a, a person here and there. It doesn't mean that people aren't being attacked viciously with different harassment techniques, including irradiation and mind control and different neuro weapons that they all complain about. Because every weapon the United States has... I mean, you got to know that uh, NSA is a military agency. And since 9-11, they've been given permission by the administration, the executive branch, to do everything it's doing secretly in violation of the Fourth Amendment. They tore America apart with letting surveillance be used to spy on everybody. They did sweeps on every single person. And that's per Thomas Drake, NSA whistleblower. Um, but as a military agency, they have a lot of advanced capabilities. They got a lot of advanced weapons, neuroweapons, chemical weapons, satellite weapons, all this stuff. And so it, they're very dangerous. And you, sh you, know, you should be very skeptical that when the government says they're not doing this, that they're doing it. Well, you know, I think that there is a perception in the general public that maybe they are being spied on to some extent. Um, and I think most people do not um, are not that concerned one way or the other whether they're being spied on. What um, what they also need to realize that is that uh, they're also being interfered interfered with, and their health is being compromised. That's really what gets people concerned. Is that the spying? You know, if, if unless they're doing something illegal, they may or may not be concerned about that. But once you start um, attacking uh, their health, uh, attacking their children, uh, trying to get you terminated from your job, uh, trying to uh, uh, disattach you from your uh, social contacts and isolate you from your friends and family, this entire harassment campaign, which seems to have no remedy, now that is cause for concern. So that's something that we are, are dealing with. Um, I mean, in my case, if it was just the spying, you know, I could just 
I would just ignore it perhaps. But it goes into far more than that. And that's why it's such an issue for us because so many are in uh, are in pain. Their health has been degraded and uh, various other things. Everything that they can get their hands on, they have, um, they have inter- interrupted or interfered with. So um, especially things like... Uh, jobs and uh, quality of life issues and things like that, and that is of great concern to our community. So, And it would be to the general public if they knew that that's what was happening. And um, to their friends, to their family members and so forth, and that is really the concern because uh, they seem to be um, uh, targeting not just the target but those that are friends with the target and it's kind of an an, um, an ever-expanding uh, branch of uh, friends and friends of friends and so forth until eventually it gets around to everybody. So that's really our concern, and that's what we kind of need the activists to be aware of. And some of them may be some of them may be aware of this already that uh, not only are they being targeted, but their friends and their friends of friends and just uh, an ever-widening uh, net of people are being captured into this program. So, um, and so everyone in the U.S. will be. So um, it's something that's rapidly expanding and, um, and the friends, our friends in the left forum um, they need to be made aware that uh, that this net is being cast uh, daily and more people are being captured into this matrix. So that's really, um, I mean, that's great that you're, that you're making these contacts with these people that have, I mean, 230 million people. That is just um, amazing. That's way more than Alex Jones or, uh, or Coast to Coast would have. So um, uh, an appearance on the show like that, uh, if somebody were um, to appear on that show, that would that could be uh, that could be groundbreaking. So um, that was a very important contact, and there are many more people like that that have that type of influence that need to know that this is happening. So um, I, I guess my question to you is. Um, now, did you say that she was just basically, did she know this, about this uh, this program that was happening in the general public already, or did she feel like it was something that was just happening to activists? Um, yeah, well, the comment came up because uh, on Friday night's uh, plenary, I got up in front of everybody, and they were doing questions and answers. So there was probably like maybe a 1,000 people sitting in, in the gym and I was behind some people. They all got to ask their question, and I I asked mine, and mine was on this subject, and I asked what we could do to get something done about it. I I, I think I said something about, you know, the space capability, you know, being used to spy on people in their homes, and then also being used to irradiate people and torture them. And I got to tell the whole audience my website domain uh, DrRobertDuncan.com and uh, BombersWeapon.com. And after this was done, um, they answered because we were at the very end. We were the last three. She really quickly got us all to ask her questions. And then the panel 
So the people are sitting on the kind of the panel there was Chris Hedges, Copink, someone else. They all answered. Um, and, you know, Chris Hedges has spoke on torture and surveillance. In fact, that was a big topic that was being discussed at the whole left forum was surveillance and torture and different things. Uh, Electronic Fran- Fran- yeah, Frontier Foundation was there. You had ACLU. You had different lawyers. You had uh, people holding panels with uh, info on drones and targeted killings and mm. lots of different topics were covered. And so after this was over, I don't think the, the panel, they didn't have too much to say on my question, what I said, but Laura Flanders, after that, we all were up there in the front meeting each other. I got Chris Hedges' email. I got pictures with Chris Hedges. You see the pictures on my Twitter. I took pictures with Code Pink, um, and then me and Laura Flanders spoke, and that's when she told me she already knew everything I was saying was all real, and that... Um, there was no one that she knew of in her group that was doubting this was all real. And then she handed me uh, a flyer with her contact info. And that, you know, so I believe that she's talking about the, the use of energy weapons, everything that I was talking about. Uh, and she oh, had yeah. been to a, a panel, it's like some type of conference in uh, London on this where they privately in some type of group discussed all this stuff that people from our group have been talking about. Right. And so, I mean, some of them are aware of this activity and uh, as an activist, they get this type of treatment and that is, that's very commonplace. Um, what they, what they need to be aware of though is that the general public is also those that are non-activists are also being spied upon, which they might know about that, but, but they're also um, getting this harassment. And these are right. just uh, everyday people. Yeah. And this yeah. is something that is seeping into the general population. Yeah. And it's becoming an issue, a greater issue, as more people are being targeted, as you know, and captured into this matrix every day. Mm-hmm. So that's what they need to be aware of. And um, so that there are many in the general populace, uh, the general populace, uh, that are facing these issues and may not be, uh, have anywhere to turn to uh, to remedy this. We actually do not at this point. However, with networking and talking to the right people, we are, you know we're in the process of creating creating solutions for this particular predicament. So you know, talking to these activists is part of that solution, and I think it's a major part of that. So, um, so that's that's great that you are talking to someone in her position because she uh, obviously has great influence. So um, yeah. perhaps yourself and uh, I mean someone needs to be um, available to her. For instance, if she wants to do a program about this issue, uh, that there will be some that she can call upon to speak about um, what's happening. Um, not only among activists, but among the general population. So that is um, that's the yeah. main that's a main issue, and something to yeah. be concerned with for society, basically. Yeah, so, and she um, seems totally concerned on this too. Her emotions were right there with us, um, mm-hmm. and it makes you think that there's a lot of groups of people that know about this. Because I've, over the last year I've been doing activism, I've met a lot of people that knew about this and everyone's already like, we already know about this. And 
there seems to be some force, I would guess, that maybe keeping something from being done. It's it's the gov- it's the military, it's the police, it's the executive branch, it's Congress. They're just refusing to do anything about this. They already know about it. Everyone seems to know about it. And then the media side, they're very careful about what they can say. Uh, they can't uh, just say whatever they want. And the whistleblowers can't either. It's very hard to whistleblow. It's very hard to go against the government. Um, right. Yeah. Um, oh, so I was going to say I met Anonymous, you know, the group, the hacker group Anonymous. We protested oh, in yeah, Washington, yeah. D.C. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they were all familiar with this. And I talked to people and they were like on their megaphones, like stuff. This is not a conspiracy. This stuff is real. You know, there's torture, there's killings, there's surveillance of people. We are the 99%. You know, they are the 1%, all that stuff. And I, they were talking about Ted Gunderson, the, the FBI special agent who backs us up as victims. He wrote that affidavit on how the NSA, oh, yeah, the FBI, mm-hmm. the, the military intelligence guys are they're targeting, harassing us, and gang-stalking us and killing us and different stuff he wrote in there. And he was citing off Ted Gunderson material on his megaphone from the White House. Um, wow. I, I've met people in cabs who know all about this. I've met, you know, uh, oh, uh, Shahid Batar from the Electronic Frontier, Frontier Foundation. He's now a oh, lawyer yeah, there. Oh, yeah, 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 he does. He actually was... Um, was in talks with our board actually a while back. So, yeah, he does know all about this specifically because we were talking to him about it. Yeah, I've been um, talking with him, too, for for about a year, and I hooked him up with a personal interview with Dr. Robert Duncan in those two talks, and Shahid Batar is saying, get us, I want to do something about this. I want to say something about this. And our group here at EFF, they want to do something. But we we need to get some more evidence and forensics together. And at the current stage, he's going to talk. We're going to help my lawyer get some of this together and get it to him. Because my lawyer has to get the evidence together that Shahid Batar specifically wants. Okay. So, uh, as I recall, his group is, um, let's see, something about the, um, oh, gosh, something about the defense committee. Okay, I can't remember exactly the name of his group, but it's very progressive, and it has something to do with um, human rights or something like that. Um, uh, uh, it used to be a uh, defensive bill of rights. That was where he was executive director. That was his yeah. group. And then okay. he's done some activism with Code Pink on Washington, in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, and now he's Electronic Frontier Foundation. He moved to San Francisco. Oh, he's on the Electronic Frontier Foundation now? Yeah. I see. Okay. Oh, yeah, he was in the Bill of Rights Defense Committee, uh, she said, a while back. And, um, okay, so that's where he is. Well, I think we've been in in communication with the Electronic Frontier Foundation at some point and all the major groups we've been in contact with. Yep. And... What needs to happen, though, and it, you know, that's why you know, uh, events like this are so important because we have a collection of groups that see this and hear about this issue, and then they become concerned and start to, say, well, to network and communicate with each other about it. And that's really going to, uh, to be a way that 
things start to happen because individually they really can't solve this, but collectively they can work together and uh, and place this on their agenda uh, for something to happen about this. And that's why these conferences, and hopefully there'll be others, are so important because uh, it gives them uh, a gives them a chance to compare notes. And once they start to do this and work together, um, then we can start to see some movement about this issue. So what you and Dr. Farber did was extremely, extremely valuable in terms of uh, moving this issue forward. And this is the type of uh, coalition building that we need to do a lot more of. Yeah, definitely. Um... And I wanted to give everyone listening an example when this type of stuff has already been confirmed to be real and true. There's so many out there. But one of the good ones is going back and researching Dr. Martin Luther King, who was a target of Cointel Pro himself. They were bugging him. They were tapping him. They had him under so much surveillance that they knew everything that was happening inside of his private life, uh, wherever he was. And they knew he was cheating on his wife that way. And Back then, they deployed psychological warfare, the same type of stuff they're doing today. Like uh, Dr. Robert Duncan said to, with me, Todd, you're a target of ruthless people in software. You have brain damage from this. It might be your eternal battle, and that's, that's because there's no one out there going to stop this. The government is so corrupt, you can't shut millions of people down. And the judges are all like handpicked by the president and stuff like that. And they're all military industrial complex themselves are prosecutors with access to this. And they become judges and they're protecting this. So um, today they, they want to make me kill myself and others. That's what Dr. Robert Duncan said. They're going to do this until something happens so they can make me do that. Well, that's what they tried to do with Dr. Martin Luther King. They sent him a letter. The FBI typed it anonymously to him and sent it to him with the goal to get him to kill himself because he would be so fearful that people would find out that there was people that knew he was cheating on his wife and had details on him, that he was a filthy, you know, uh, scumbag, you know, and uh, that letter is on Dr. Robert Duncan to read or drrobertduncan.com to read. So that's the type of stuff the FBI will do, you know, and then afterwards, you know, even Congress back then, uh, Senate Church Committee admitted, hey, Dr. Martin Luther King shouldn't have been a target of this. You know, he was he did nothing wrong. Um, They had people like women's rights groups under that type of targeting. They had lawyers and reporters, people who do good things that they just wanted to shut down and censor. They didn't want to have a voice. They didn't want talking about the things that they were doing inside the government back then. And today it's pretty much the same. Okay. Um, their techniques have gotten more advanced. Uh, we have, there were times back in the old days where they would uh, implant people who were not witting did not give their consent back in the 1960s when MKUltra was going. They had legitimate implant programs. They would put these implants in Harvard patients without their consent or knowledge. They gave one guy named Leonard Kild an implant who was a Polaroid inventor. And the doctors who did this, one in, in the case of Leonard Kild, it was a UCLA doctor and 
Um, there was another doctor, I can't remember what school he came from, but they announced it was like a huge mind control success that this implant worked and it helped him. And he was not a mentally ill person before that implant was put in, but to justify putting it in against his will, they claimed he was a schizophrenic, you know, just to be able to use his body and their medical programs and to do whatever they wanted because the law allows it. If you're incompetent, mentally ill, they, one, you're discredited if you complain. Two, judges and people will generally, the law usually lets, you know, things against your will be done like sterilization, forced drugging, electroshock, all sorts of stuff. So if they claim those implants for treatment, they'd put them in you and get authorization to do it. And, but afterwards, Leonard Kild was so traumatized and he'd been mutilated. He ran around for a decade talking about how he's been killed with microwaves after that. They successfully used this on him. Yeah, they remotely controlled him. They revved him up and down, like, you know, made him do different stuff against his will, caused him a lot of pain. Um, but it was investigated by Dr. Peter Bragan, a psychiatrist, and he found that it wasn't a great success, that the doctors had lied about it being a success. Dr. Peter Bragan himself worked at Harvard, and that's where he knew that they were doing this to patients at Harvard as well. And the patients would walk around the hospitals being remotely controlled without their knowledge that they were being remotely controlled. That's how secretive and stealth it was. Eventually, Dr. Peter Bragan was involved in a lawsuit to help shut it down back then. It's called Camowitz versus Michigan, because they were doing it at a Michigan State Hospital as well. Um, and in that case, they were lucky an attorney got involved and helped file a habeas corpus. And that habeas corpus was designed to shut the program down. And a multiple judge panel in Michigan eventually ruled, after hearing testimony from a lot of different experts, including Dr. Peter Bragan, um, they shut it down as a First Amendment violation because the implants mutilated uh, the subject's brain, made, made it so they couldn't uh, generate in, uh, what is it, free speech anymore. So you basically became a zombie without your own free will, and you might lose memory and capabilities that you had before. And they said, that's a gross human rights violation. And the U.S. Department of Justice was funding some of this back then. This program at Michigan was actually partly funded by them, and it was ruled unconstitutional. And psychosurgery and lobotomy was also found unconstitutional under the same ruling. So there's been many times that people have, you know, had this done to them. What we're having done today, um, it seems to be this, you know, a stemming from the same problem. You have, you have the the Cointel Pro stuff, the surveillance national security state. Then you have, you know, different experiments and also weapons that they have to actually do this. Um, I just read a great bulletin article on this that researchers would probably find very, uh, very educational. It's called the Neuroweapons Threat. And the bulletin is a prestigious um, atomic scientist, you know, bulletin, you know, where you go and you find the best information around the globe right there. Um, it discusses how under Obama's brain initiative, they're doing the same thing as MKUltra. Although the particular author of this, and I'm not sure that he knew MKUltra was going on, but 
Um, he talks about how the implants being developed by DARPA today that can add and remove memories, um, and the new brain scanners for Alzheimer's disease and stuff. They have covert military uses, this, which he calls the dual purpose. So if you can scan a person's brain um, with Alzheimer's disease, you can also scan a person's, you can take that same scanner basically and scan anyone's brain, pull out their memories and do things for surveillance. And with those implants, you can use them to like give someone schizophrenia or take out memories of something you want them to forget, you know, like say you witness a cop rape somebody or you know about some type of huge conspiracy the government's doing. They can give you these implants, um, take out all your memories. Or they could put in false memories, you know, like, you know, whatever type of false memories they want, might want to put, like they could create a false witness. A witness might say, yeah, this cop never did anything, <laughs> you know, or, you know, something like that. They could do any type of complex case that they could want to do. Um, everyone acknowledges that this is happening. And okay. uh, similarly, back in the 70s and 80s, you know, they advanced past implants. Uh, Dr. Jose Delgado, he's a confirmed CIA torture doctor, said this on, on CNN in 1985 on the RF Lapin special. He said, well, we've moved past implants now. Now we can do it with non-invasive phased arrays and, you know, different technology we have. And they showed a video with a monkey with a little phased array built around his skull. It was an inch off of his skull. That thing was reading and writing to his, his nervous system remotely. And today they've taken that technology and put that into space satellites and radar grids that are everywhere around us. Okay, um, well, great. And this is the kind of information that uh, these activists need to be aware of that is um, affecting not just uh, those who are activists and whistleblowers, but those uh, who are members of the general public. And uh, there are more people contacting us and also contacting them about these similar complaints. So um, I'm not sure what kind of activities they have been involved in to address, <coughs> excuse me, to address these issues, but we need to know, we need to inform them. Uh, they need to know that these um, these individuals are becoming, targeted individuals are becoming more numerous and that we need to um, uh, collectively work uh, together on this issue to come up with some solutions so that when uh, targeted individuals approach their organization, which uh, many in our group have uh, approached just about all of these major ones at some point, they will have a ready-made uh, solution or a process or a protocol for dealing with those who are targeted. So um, that's something that can come together, say, within the next conference or so, where this issue becomes more commonplace and more widely known, and uh, we can start looking at some collaboration and looking at some solutions for this. So that needs to happen with... Uh, with grassroots organizations, human rights organizations, as well as uh, city officials. And so that uh, those two groups can start to work together and acknowledge that this is happening and um, we can start seeing some progress. 
So that was really important of um, of Dr. Farber being at this uh, at this conference, and hopefully we'll see some more um, throughout the year. And hopefully you'll be back next year to present again. Um, oh, yes, yeah. we will definitely be back next year. And I also want to say, Dr. Seth Farber, to all those listening, he is the best psychologist to recommend to your local news media. Um, if only the New York Times would have talked to Dr. Seth Farber, um, and there's numerous other experts out there, and I think the New York Times already knew it because they looked over my website. They looked at the video with Dr. Colin Ross, a psychiatrist who's an expert on this. He's been on History Channel. He said that they're testing non-lethal weapons that hit citizens' brains and body parts in 2001 on History Channel. And he covered the criminality of MKUltra where there was no prosecutions. No one got in trouble. And the message that was sent was to do it. You will not get in trouble. Um, Exactly. Dr. Peter Bregan, he's been out there talking about this recently. He talks about Obama's brain initiative being the latest MKUltra. And these implants, they're, they're, they publicly talk about on like DARPA.mil. And there's all sorts of articles on Slash.org and other sites about, you know, they got implants that they can put in you that dissolve and disappear. So you can have an implant put in that does something to you. And then it'll disappear in your blood. Or they have a new quarter size implant that reads and writes to 100,000 neurons. And it will link up to a computer. And this is a consumer level version that they're going to get people. So that you'll have one of these installed. And rather than, you know, have like a little, you know, it's kind of antiquated technology because they could have like a little radar that you have in your house that reads and alters your brain. But instead they want to have this implant so, well, you'll be able to use your your Facebook and your emails and all that stuff, um, and it'll all be done with this implant. This was on Slash.org a couple months ago. Okay. Um, so, I mean, New York Times, they had access to this level of information, but they the guy who wrote about it, Mike McFate, didn't include any of this in there. He didn't really back stuff. And uh, they brought in a, a countering doctor, Dr. Lorraine, um, something, I can't remember her last name, but she just discredited us all. And she works with the cops. I looked up her MO. She works with the police in the UK. Um, she testifies against people in criminal uh, cases, you know, she'll be brought in to say, oh, this person's mentally ill and, you know, stuff like that. And she, she wrote a study that claims all the people who complain about this are delusional. But yet there's all this other information out there, and there's way more doctors who will say, no, these people aren't delusional. Well, you know, you know, I was surprised at the article because it was not balanced. There was um, all these people that he brought in that spoke against targeted individuals, yet he did not present the other side. Uh, all the people that he interviewed um, in our community were presented in a negative, in a, in a negative light and basically as, as being delusional, as having mental issues, as people that need to be somewhere getting some type of mental treatment, that kind of thing. And it was that way from the beginning to the end. And uh, it, there was not a uh, balanced sense of, um, of reporting. He did not take a neutral stance as most journalists do in these types of articles. So it was basically a hatchet piece from the beginning. So that was kind of surprising to see that. 
So it seemed like as if it was something that was a, a setup, basically. So that's definitely, it it doesn't make any sense. Either this guy has a low IQ who wrote the article, or he's like working with the CIA, or he just wanted to do a duplication article on what was already out there, because the New York Times did something similar back in 2008. Washington Post sort of did something similar in 2007. But we're at this level where we have a lot more information about this than ever before. And it doesn't make, I mean, they interviewed Dr. Robert Duncan here for the New York Times too, and they didn't even quote his interview. And he worked for the government, and we could confirm that. We have confirmation um, of his degrees, of his attendance at Harvard. We have government agents who will back that up, that he worked for the government. Um, and the New York Times just said, man, we're going to cut that. We're not going to include any of that because they did appear to have this desire to, you know, make us look a little crazy, you know, by having the references by those psychiatrists who said we were delusional. But it doesn't make any sense. They could have called Dr. Colin Ross up and interviewed him, and he would have said something much more fabulous. Or Dr. Seth Farber, too. Absolutely. His uh, his um, perspective. I mean, he's an expert in this area, and he's nationally known, uh, much more than than anyone else in our community. So his perspective would have held lots of weight if he had been interviewed and and contacted. And that would have been um, really precisely the person to contact. Um, so anyway, this uh, none of the none of the positive aspects of our targeting of the. Uh, of the research that has been going on for decades, um, all the doctors that have been... Uh, I mean, Dr. Delgado wrote a book about his his uh, experiment, and he was doing remote body manipulation 50 years ago with implants. And all of this is going on... Um, it's been going on for decades, and there's lots of uh, evidence if he had bothered to include it in this article. So... Yeah. Um, And also, once technology gets developed, it's well known. Everybody knows what happens. Um, The information is not available by Freedom of Information Act request. Everything since the 70s, it's known to be classified. You cannot go to the government and ask them for information on this. They'll come back and say, we cannot confirm or deny we have this information. Law enforcement is also exempt. If you ask them what their methods are, on any like sur- using surveillance or satellites or radar secretly or any type of brain reading technology or any type of torture technology, the Freedom of Information Act says they're exempt from disclosing methods and techniques. So you can't get info out of them, and you can't criminally investigate them either. So let's just say they're actually, I mean, they're definitely hurting people the way we all claim. But if they have knowledge of it, you can't get it. Um. They won't admit it. They just lie. Um, so well, they're told they don't really to have deny to it. They don't really have to admit it. There's, you know, all this information is unclassified and available on the Internet. Yeah, and there's so, plenty of uh, info on the Internet to self-research. You're right. And we know what's going on. There's plenty of sources. And these sources are all credible and vetted. Right. So anyway, all that information was available to him, was actually presented to him that he chose to ignore. And uh, so basically that was his stance, and which was kind of surprising. 
um, the uh, the Washington Post case that uh, Sharon Weinberger wrote a few years ago was much more balanced, and it was it was pretty well received by the community. They weren't entirely happy with it. But um, it was it did present our information. It permitted, it uh, it uh, presented our perspective about our issues and uh, the technologies and the methods that were being used. All of that was presented, and uh, it wasn't uh, necessarily convincing on, on her part. She did not present. Um, she did not come from a standpoint that she believed all of this, but she did present it as as we believed it, and uh, as well as her own skepticism was was uh, involved, which is fine. But she did present a balanced view of the issue, which is uh, a classic um, protocol for journalism, and that was what was followed. But this seems to be there seems to be a different agenda at work here, which is why this turned out the way it did. Yeah, um, I was going to say there is even one more source, a huge source uh, on this. But, so I mentioned Thomas Drake for the NSA whistleblower, but there's other whistleblowers from the NSA too. You have Russell Tice, William Benny, and Edward Snowden. And they all talk about how we're being targeted. They use the word targeted just like we do. We targeted right. individuals, Russell Tice will say, with my satellites uh, and space capability. And Russell Tice is also a ballistic missile defense specialist, and that is the system that's the, the military radar and satellites installed around us. It's been designed to scan through objects. You know, they can scan a missile going through the sky or an airplane, but they can also scan a person or their home or send signals in to, say, jam a, a missile in the sky or remotely control it. They could safely land a nuclear warhead by cybernetically controlling it. Well, this technology according to Robert Duncan, is also being used on people. They've learned how to scan people's brains and send signals in using the ballistic missile defense satellite space capability. Russell Tice is a specialist on that, and he backs it, backs it up. They're using it to target people, you know, everyone in America, from senators to congressmen, Judge Alito, back Obama was a target of some of this back in 2004 before he was elected. Um, William Benny also confirmed this. He went to our uh, covert harassment conference in 2014. All he did was take and summarize all the info on NSA and say, the use NSA is fine all you guys. Here's some of the different methods. And they got other ones, too. This this is not even an exhaustive list. They got the satellites, the radar, and other... They got other databases, too, other computer systems. And then what they do with it is they go out and harass you guys. And he confirmed it to a woman who asked him. said, yeah, they're, they're going out and harassing you guys with this. So there's so many sources that back us up. And just like Webster Tarpley was saying, that they're going out and harassing people with this stuff. Right. Well, I think that um, a lot of this uh, technology is is very technical. Uh, just what you explained would probably kind of... Uh, this type of technology, the technical terms that you use... Uh, will probably go over most people's uh, heads, the, American, the general American public, and which is why they may not be aware of um, of some of these um, technical capabilities. However, um, some of the, um, the stalking techniques, you know, also need to be addressed. They need to be brought out because um, not only uh, is the military involved in stalking and harassment, 
you do have some uh, civilian groups that are involved. And that's kind of key because um, I believe that there is uh, some type of, a, of an agenda and it's not necessarily the military or not necessarily the government, but there's some type of infiltration of the government that has control of these technologies that is kind of puppeting uh, where the technology is being guided to, and there seems to be some type of an agenda. Um, my own theory is that is uh, they're headed towards a dystopian society, basically, where there is... Um, uh, constant, where there is total uh, suffering, where there is uh, constant war, where there is civil unrest, uh, where there is chaos, and, uh, and all types of confusion and, um, and pain and suffering of the general populace. And that's something they w- they're trying to create from place to place to place until this entire society is filled with uh, chaos and confusion and um, and panic. So um, this is something they'd like to implement worldwide, and um, this is why we have people contacting us from all parts of the globe, because this agenda, whatever it is, is not only nationwide but worldwide. So um, they haven't contacted us. I mean, that's kind of... Uh, my own theory from what I see happening uh, with targeted individuals. Um, but uh, what we need to kind of emphasize is that it's more than just government at work. There, there are individuals, uh, mad scientists, if you will, that have this agenda and are implementing it in cities across the U.S. and worldwide where... Um, we are heading towards, uh, at least they're pushing us towards, uh, this is their uh, agenda to make uh, this a dystopian society where um, the opposite of a utopian society. Um, It doesn't mean that they're going to succeed, in my opinion. It just means that that's what they are trying to do. But I think that we are at a point where uh, with education, that we can turn the tide of even what they are doing. Uh, if we can get enough people educated and enough people aware of this, um, of this agenda, that we can make the difference. So anyway, that's really um, what I see our group as, um, as emphasizing. I see that's going to be, uh, that's really what we are here to do, to educate people, to let them know that this is happening and that we can, uh, working together, we can all make a difference in how this is going to turn out. So um, so anyway, I commend you and Dr. S- Dr. Farber because uh, this type of, um, of collaboration is, is much, much needed, long overdue basically. Uh, we need to make alliances, um, you know, far and wide with this issue. And I've said that all along, that uh, our group by ourselves, we really cannot bring this matter to the public. It's going to take a collaborative effort. We're going to need to network with other groups. And uh, events just like this is what it's really going to take. So... Um, 
So I applaud your efforts, you and Dr. Farber, uh, Todd, uh, and this effort because uh, it's so important that we uh, continue to do this type of work. Oh, yes, absolutely. We will keep fighting. My current project is to hire a, a new lawyer um, like Shahid Batar wanted um, from the National Lawyers Guild. And I am going to my grandpa who said, yeah, here's 10000 Go pick yourself out a lawyer. And I have a criminal case here from when the cops actually beat me up over this. They busted my teeth and my nose. My grandpa washed it. And my grandpa's backing me up that I was being stalked and harassed and they did this to him. And he's never seen any of this in his life. Like, um, so like he's not like a targeted individual, but they were going around his house with dogs and parking their cars around him and uh, saying stuff to him and stuff like that. Um, We are now at that stage where what we're trying to do is prove that you know, I was being stalked, and the cops beat me up for that reason. Uh, and they, you know, had used radiation on me, as I claimed, that there was even some security video in Oregon. Like I was saying, I requested that security video be saved in 2008, and I wanted a DVD of it. Uh, in Oregon law, uh, there's a presumption that says if it was destroyed or suppressed, then there's an unfavorable presumption against the party who uh, suppressed it, which means in a court of law, if once we get to that point, uh, they have to presume that the state destroyed the audio and video, if they did. We don't know if it's there or not, because I asked. And they said, we cannot confirm or deny that we have it in our possession. It's the same thing the CIA will say if you go and ask them for some information on this. Right, right. So um, you are putting together a, uh, a lawsuit is that uh, yeah. correct? That's true. Okay. okay, so that is something. Now, when do you when do you expect to file your case? Okay, so right now, I mean, this is an ongoing process. Um, I got beat up by the cops. I was this is a criminal thing where I was thrown in jail. I fought it. A lot of the attorneys, the public defenders, were really close to the district attorney, and I've got some evidence on that. I was called a pissant by one attorney. I've been recording all the conversations. So, like, we have some incriminating statements where they're like, no, I'm not going to investigate the district attorney's office for being involved in this and stuff like that, Um, which resulted in my false conviction. So now what I can do is file what's called post-conviction relief. Um, Now, we had no trial. There was no jury trial or nothing. I was forced to go in and just plead guilty to get out of jail where I began my investigations on my own in 2013. Um, So within a week, I will have um, a new lawyer from the National Lawyers Guild. I've been talking to him this week. And once they're on board, they're going to write a petition up. And they can also get more money than I have because it's a criminal case. They can go to the public defender services and get checks for experts, pay for travel and lodging. And we're going to try to get some experts out to actually analyze this. Who know, who know something about it, like Robert Duncan or William Binney or Webster Tarpley or Seth Farber. Seth Farber's like, yeah, I want to do this. And Colin Ross also told me he would do this. 
um, he's waiting for my lawyer to talk to him. So maybe a couple of weeks from now, um, we'll have some more progress. Okay, wow. Okay, that will be a landmark case, it sounds like. Uh, once that gets to court, and especially, you know, with all the uh, the evidence that you have, all the expert witnesses and so forth, that should be a very interesting case. So um, I guess the question I have, though, will it be a civil case or a criminal case? Well, this is technically a civil case because it's, it's like a lawsuit over the fact that I had been falsely convicted. And the results of it, there's two results. One result is we get a new investigation on everything from scratch. And all my current doctors are saying I'm a victim of this. I've seen seven psychologists. Dr. Percy Data, Dr. Misty Garris, Dr. Seth Farber, Ron Unger, a licensed social worker, Kathy Meadows, a, a psychologist, um, Dr. Lauren Tenney is kind of supporting me. Um, and then there's other ones I haven't been able to see because I can't afford to pay them, but the court should be able to pay for those to bring them in as experts. Um, and we're going to bring all that, put it on the record, we'll get it all together. We'll have numerous hundreds of pages of documents probably generated. We're trying to make this look as credible as possible. So we'll have this beautiful record uh, of the investigation and the opinions of uh, the experts. The end result is the judge will overturn my old uh, the conviction. And then we could take that for further action. Um, because if you overturn the conviction and you are found factually innocent or whatever, or there's civil rights violations that were discovered, like ineffective assistance of counsel, or they did some torture on me in jail, um, or they denied me due process, uh, denied me fair trial, then you could take that and get some money damages later, like within a separate civil suit. Oh, I see. So you have a couple of different uh, <clears throat> levels here. Yes. Um, okay. And one of the things, uh, I wanted to say this, I forgot to say it earlier, I actually have audio recordings of police officers who follow me around and whistle at me, and these are on OregonStateHospital.net forward slash news.html. I've posted three recordings of the cops at the Senate building that's in Capitol Hill. When I walk in, I have a witness with me, or here's a two, they, they whistle at me wherever I go. And over at Union Station, Washington, D.C., I was filming a cop harassing a homeless person. And some security guards are there, too. I get threatened by the security guards. They don't want me filming them. And they threaten to break my camera and sue me. And the cop, when he's there with his big gun, he's going in and out of the female bathroom. He whistles, like, after seeing who I am. Like, um... That's the type of stuff I've been putting up with. Like the cops are actually letting me get recordings of them whistle at me wherever I go. I went down to Norfolk in Virginia Beach. Um, I was with a dude who's former military intelligence. He's not a target individual. knew nothing about this stuff, really. Um, he worked in Iraq. He did some of the torture stuff, you know, like you read the Senate torture report where he was taking detainees and doing all the nasty stuff in the report. Um, he's now retired. He's kind of like an activist now. but we go into a police station and they send a cop to walk by me 
and him, and we're both hearing it, and he just whistles at us. Like, they know that we're here at the Norfolk Police Station, and they know who I am. And they've been doing this in multiple towns, Eugene, Oregon. They started it at the state hospital. The staff members there would whistle at me. They did it in Lane County, Jail. The sheriffs are, after I got beat up by the police officers, right, they broke my nose, my teeth. I was in jail fighting the case. They had deputies whistling at me everywhere around my cell. And they were doing this to try to make me fearful, to, to like, if I was to complain, they'd gaslight me, make me, you know, sound mentally ill. I'm like, oh, you you're getting whistle at? But all the other inmates heard it. Like, it was happening all around me. Once I got out, though, I'm on the streets. They had people following me around and do it everywhere. And you can hear some of those recordings right there on the website, OregonStateHospital.net, in the news section. It's one of the top things. So I'm still going through this. That's some of my evidence. Like, if anyone, you got a reporter that wants to hear some of this, I have uh, what's called a Zoom H2N recorder, and I take this thing everywhere I go, and there's a little button every time someone whistles, and I've been recording that. And I've even got officers at, like, a ho- I went into a hospital for medical care. The security guards and the nurse practitioners and the doctors all whistled at me repeatedly. I even got one uh, police officer here in Washington, D.C. to give me his badge info and name and everything. And it happened at UCLA. I went there trying to get help. I went into the emergency room. I got brain damage. My doctor said, I need brain scans done. So I go in there and I say, my doctor was in agreement that this would be a good idea to come to a hospital, try to get care. I traveled from Oregon. This is supposed to be a top neuropsychiatric institute. You've got brain scanners here. You've got neurological rehab, everything my doctor says I need. And the doctors would apparently like be ready for me when I got there, everywhere I go. Like I'm being stalked and followed the the government is trying to keep control over me, and I get whistled at by the doctor in custody, just like the police officers. And I have probably like 400 gigabytes of recordings of different times they whistled at me. And this is confirmation that, yes, there does seem to be some type of stalking, following behavior, some harassment, you know, like a sound campaign towards one single person. Right. Okay. Well... Tom, we appreciate your um, your coming and spending yeah. time with us and explaining um, what happened at the left forum and um, all the people that you met there. Um, that is really going to be instrumental in terms of you know us being able to network, um, you know, collaborate mm-hmm. with um, with other groups, and that's really going to be the way that we expand this issue. Well, one of the ways. Um, this really is not going to be just one way to uh, to our freedom. We're going to need to, to utilize every avenue that's at our disposal to be successful. So this is one way that we can expand this issue, and we need to you know look into many other ways and explore every avenue open to us. So um, so this is one way that's very important because this group of people. Uh, can have a great deal of influence in terms of expanding this issue and um, bring it to the uh, to the general public, and that's really uh, one of our main goals is really to bring this to front and center of the to the attention of the American of the American public, so that they can then get involved in resolving the situation and bringing the secrecy to light, and that's really going to be key because. It's the secrecy that empowers these dark elements to continue this 
and to um, to target more people and uh, and and to enslave them. And we're we're looking to uh, for freedom for for all of us and uh, well, actually for everyone. So, um, well, anyway, that's uh, guys uh, have uh, have gotten off to a great start. And hopefully there will be more as the year progresses. You'll probably find out about more conferences uh, in time. And if we can make several of these a year, in probably a few years, this issue would be uh, very well known among these groups. And and um, and I believe that very soon there's going to be some type of protocol, some type of established procedure. Um, for helping TIs uh, in these groups, and basically, uh, and society in general, you know, if you go to a police uh, station, uh, you fill out this form if you're targeted, you know, and and eventually, it's going to, there's going to be something to where, uh, and it won't be very long, uh, where TIs will be recognized and uh, will be getting help. So, thank you so much for your efforts, and. Um, Unless you have something more to say, I'm going to go ahead and open the lines to our callers so that they can also ask questions. Um, I can only say one more thing. Uh, that is, when I was at Left Forum, this whistling thing happened there too, and I was there with a group of TIs, Edward or Eduardo, and another guy named like Alex Cash or whatever he goes by. The first day we get there, I'm recording, and Alex Cash hears his two officers, like undercover come behind us and just let us hear the whistling. And then wow. I was with Webster Tarpley hanging out with him. Another guy walked behind us for like 10 seconds. He was just sitting there whistling on, just on purpose. Wow. And then after left form was over, I was, I was leaving on May 20th, or May 22nd. I mean, late at night, I'm walking on the streets right when I walk out of the left form building, which was the John Day Justice Center or whatever. A woman she looks right at me and she's there's a hospital across the street and she looks looks right at me, whistles at walks by me about like ten ten. I had this all recorded and I take a picture of her license plate and everything. But yeah, that's that's just crazy. A lot of people letting me capture this, this whistling. Like they want me to have this whistling captured and recorded. Okay, well see, uh soon that's not going to be uh those type of tactics won't be secret. Uh, as we continue um, uh, collaborating with people, you know, all these tactics are going to be well known, uh, not only to us but to everybody. Uh, I'm not really that concerned about the New York piece because this roadblock. I mean, they are not going to stop TIs from getting freedom. They are not going to stop us. They can put roadblocks up before us that might temporarily slow us down, but they are not going to stop us from being active until we are all free. So I'm just going to say that right now, and we will be free, and it's going to be a matter of time. We just got to keep working together. We are getting there. We are getting there, and you're you're living proof of that. We are getting there, and it's just going to be a matter of time. So uh, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and open the lines to our callers. If you have a question or comment for Todd, star eight is the request to talk Feature on your phone so that we can begin our discussion. Hi, um, this is Tomo. Um, 
thank you for the uh, uh, your effort, Todd. Uh, uh, That's really great. Um, my question uh, is: Sister Laura Sanders is she associated with the Wired, or is she associated? Uh, she's like a neuroscience uh, writer. Um. Yes. Um, I don't know precisely who she's associated with. It's, but let's see here. I have it written down here, so let me look up here in my bag. So there's there's a Laura Flanders show. So if you Google it, it'll bring up the show that she actually hosts. Um, well, if you know for um, the Give me a moment here to find out the station this airs on. Yeah, if you know her contact info, maybe if you could let, let, let um, us know. It does say here she's been on like ABC uh, and Good Morning America before. She's appeared in numerous magazines, you know, Yes Magazine, The Nation, uh, different, okay. different ones. Uh, yeah, I can't find out the particular channel she she's on today, though. It doesn't actually say on this one that I have. Sanders, that's S like Samuel A N D E R. Oh, Flanders, F L A N D E R S. Okay, whoever, wait a minute. Whoever's talking in the background, could you please star six or stop talking? We can hear you. Can you? Would you mind? Okay. Um I sorry about that. There is someone in the background that is uh being disruptive, so we're gonna start this again. And I'm gonna unmute everybody one at a time. If you could please star eight again and uh have to Start again and see if we can find where this noise is coming from. Okay. Tyler, are you unmuted yet? Okay, let me see. Try this again. Okay, it looks like Todd's unmuted. Okay, uh, Tom, it's going to be a few minutes till we get to you, so hold tight. Uh, I'm going to try unmuting a few others. What number are you pressed to talk? Okay, hi, Joe. Do you have a question or something? Oh, I wondered what number do you press to talk? We can hear you. Go ahead with your question. Um, I... I just wanted to say to our speaker, I would give your pictures, your recordings, everything to some other people secretly. I mean, almost like like spies leave it somewhere, they pick it up, or have things copied numerous times, give it to heavy white people that are responsible that'll give it to the 10 best newspapers and the television media. And if something happens to you, me giving 
copies of my stuff to almost 20 people is stop everything except breaking into my apartment. And that's from people in the apartment. And it follows the protocol of what what has been happening to me for 13 years. Even when they weren't taking things, there was a pile of surgical gloves over a foot high on either side of my stairway. I videoed and photographed, but I didn't take the gloves. Stupid me, there would be latent fingerprints in there. I don't know how you got muted, Todd. You were unmuted, but then I looked looked around and you had somehow got muted, so I don't know how that happened. But anyway, uh, if you have some question or comment for um, for this caller, go ahead. Yes, um, I try to upload as much as I can. Um, I have at least three the recordings of the uh, whistling with one witness in the recording who is the former military intelligence officer. His, his name is actually Jimmy Fry, uh, 82nd Airborne Division, and that's a, a really high-end squad. Um, it's a special unit uh, where very talented people um, are handpicked to join. And he was with me in the Senate building where the whistling occurred as soon as we go in, at least on two separate occasions or more. Um, the first occasion uh, I went in there that they didn't whistle, uh, right? But it was obvious that soon after, maybe the second or third time, they started whistling uh, pretty regularly. Um, and they would even admit, yeah, we're, we're whistling. What's going on? You know, and Jimmy Fry heard that. And Jimmy Fry began to piece together more. He heard it. Um, and he got an impression that all of Washington, D.C. was full of spies. Now, undercover agents, government employees, Russian spies, Chinese spies, all sorts of people. Um, uh, U.K. spies, you know, MI6, different whoever, you know. And <laughs> So, I mean, he's pretty hip on all this, and he identified that this was called counter-surveillance. And he thought maybe they did some type of uh, operant conditioning on me to make me afraid of, you know, the whistling and have responses to it when it happened, which is true. And he's like a mind control expert himself. He's into psychological warfare and everything. Uh, he used it on people in Iraq, for, you know. So he's very credible. He admits. He heard it in the recording, and then numerous other occasions. He was with me at the Norfolk, Virginia Beach Police Station. Uh, one day we get the idea we're going to go have some lunch um, at Chinese slash uh, seafood buffet. And a car follows us there, and it gets there before us. And it's like a Mexican undercover dude. And a couple other people, and they, they're whistling at us as we're trying to pay for you know, to get in. And then we go sit down and eat and they're just, they're just making whistling noises and stuff at us. And, uh, at a couple other places we went, you know, he was always noticing it. There's always somebody is just, they were strategically planted there, you know, got there before us, or they were a store clerk in a place that we had been to before. They've been tipped off on us. Yeah. And I'll upload more and more of these recordings. I've got many gigabytes. I got to process some of them. Um, maybe compress them to MP3. And if you go on Oregon State Hospital.net, 
you can find I already have an archive of uploads, which is if you see the forward slash B folder, that's where I upload a lot of stuff there. And then I have a YouTube uh, channel, which some of this makes it on there. Like if I get a phone call from a TIA or something or, or get some evidence I, or a video of, say, somebody who's whistling at me, like a city employee, yeah, I'll upload it there. So people can download that and archive it. And I also have it backed up with archive.org. Okay. Um, I have a few um, a few more of, uh, callers unmuted. So if you have a question or com- a comment for uh, Todd, feel free to uh, go ahead at this time. Hi, Todd. This is Lonnie. And I wanted to ask you, I was just curious, because I've had digital camera, you know, damaged remotely. So I'm just wondering, why do you think they're allowing your, you to go on and do that, to do your recordings? Right. Do you have a theory on that? Well, they torture me pretty good. I mean, I've been near death and I've got brain damage. This has not been without a cost to my life to actually get these recordings out. But, um, but they, uh, I don't know. I mean, they have damaged some of my electronics before. Um, uh-huh. 2010 was one of the last times, so it was a, a cell phone with touchscreen. And they were jamming the touchscreen with Drake's energy. Um, they can activate the touch screen, just like your nervous system, and they'll sit there and press and hold your screen in different func- um, areas sometimes. And my touch screen died from that. It just quit working. I still have the damaged phone. Yeah. Well, bless your heart. Thank you for all your input for us. We, your information is valuable to us. So God bless you and take care. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hi, Tom um, McClelland. Oh, I yes. was at the left forum. I appreciate it if I could say something. Yes. I, um, Todd, I met, I met you there, and I um, enjoyed our meeting. It was this is I live in New York, so it was my third year in a row um, that I got to attend uh, the left forum, and it's you know it's been almost a dream of me for what you know, Derek's been talking about and what you accomplished it was quite impressive at the um, conference. Um, The first year I I met William Binney and and he seemed very interested in in what I, talking to me, but he had to catch a plane and I didn't get to really speak with him, but he did go to the mind control conference in Belgium uh, with the Dr. Kiln, I forget her name. She passed away soon after. Um, but and then uh, in 2015, I I went again and I, and I met somebody from MIT uh, that and also um, I went to one of Seth Farber's conference. Uh, he he had a, had a, another conference along with I forget the name the lady who the the conference that you were part of Todd uh, she was there and, and, you know and I went to their conference so I I I was you know I was so glad that you know you you got to do a a panel and uh, be on a panel and uh, um, I think. 
and uh, it would be a really good thing in the future to expand on what uh, on it. You know, at the Left Forum next year, they have tables where uh, different groups, you know, have information about their group and their what they want to make aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's another another thing that that could be explored. And um, I know you 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 mentioned about. Um, Glenn Greenwald, and I, there's another. You said you also met another. Uh, um, you met another. Uh, he's a journalist. He's associated with Glenn Greenwald. He's very well known, and uh, I think that that's those are uh, those are very good uh, leads that for them to know about this. You know, especially uh, with sure. the in, you know, my, in relation to Snowden and uh, what he, uh, I think that that's very important. Would be very important. And also, we, you were with me when we met Amy Goodman, and she was very interested in that um, doctor. Your website with Dr. Robert Duncan. She's had she's had TIs uh, in the past on her show in like in the 1990s I think Barbara Hartwell and others but and I've I heard her when um she was interviewing um uh a um the president of Venezuela who said he was being targeted with microwave weapons him and his staff while there was a coup going on in uh and she yes. was interviewing him li- uh, live. Uh, Manuel Zelaya was the president who was overtaken, who said he was being attacked. And Amy Goodman heard this live. And it, she, on her show, he was being interviewed live. But I still don't think she st- supports us. But if we had her support, I think there could show a much wider connection with us you know, and getting things exposed. Yeah, and Amy Goodman Goodman did give a great speech at the the Sunday plenary on the 22nd, which was the last one, on, or, yeah, and she was saying, you know, there are things that are not being covered by the media, you know, and this is one of the things I brought up to her was our problem, was it's not being covered. And she took a lot of interest in Um, And I passed her my info. You bought a book from her. Um, so far, you know, haven't heard too much back. But, you know, I personally felt, you know, the same problem that inflicts what she was saying, the other media outlets, uh, they won't cover things. You know, it affects her, you know, herself and her own show. It's uh, very conservative a uh, lot of cherry-picked information, and they, they're not covering people being hurt by the government either. But, like, with back in U.S. Today, U.S. Today covered Saddam Hussein in the 90s, like 1991 or something like that, being hit and targeted with psychotronic weapons like we're talking about, and he complained about it happening to him. Well, if it can happen to him, what can it happen to the people of the United States? 
why won't the media run something that's that's credible? When we say, hey, we're being hit with psychotronic directed energy weapons and all this, they should run it just the same as they run the bet on Saddam Hussein, having it used on his country and himself. Um, now, my hometown of Eugene, they covered this once. My hometown was raided for two years by the Navy from Alameda, California, 500 miles away. Hundreds of complaints generated. FCC confirmed it was the United States Navy. We need more articles just like that, where they confirm that parts of society are being hit with radiation and torture. Okay. Um, well, thank you, Tom, for your, your comment. You're welcome. For your question. And um, I've unmuted a few people. If you have a question or comment Hello. for Todd. Yes, Hello. go ahead. This is Cynthia. This is Cindy in Sacramento. Todd, thank you for your um, testimony of your targeting. Um, I'm generational. My family is multi-generational uh, test victims through the Army. My father was a scientist, and my grandfather was a World War II veteran. My biological father was a sergeant in the Army, brothers, nephews, cousins, everybody. Mostly Army, but we have some Air Force. That's where it gets interesting. The Air Force members in my family tend to have done some special type of work that you don't talk about. So that I'm learning all of a sudden, and I'm 50 years old. So um, my great uncles, Tuskegee Airmen, and all of this, right? So um, anyways, I've been tested on with European medications as a child had a Japanese dentist try to rearrange my dental, you know, situation and have access to my my head. And my mother said, hell no. Okay? Mm-hmm. So with all of that said, I appreciate your testimony. I want to not debate, but I want to correct a little bit. Um, Amy Goodman did have... Um, some people that she did interview that were activists that were targeted by the FBI and they were chased around and they showed, they showed um, the specific way that the FBI was doing this to them, probably in conjunction with Homeland Security, with their computers and with their activities. And a lot of it points to, you remember that, that show where she had the two gentlemen and then some specialists on there. And, um, Oh yeah. And Amy Goodman. Yeah. Her show is one of the better shows for sure. Oh yes, um, it is. I have to, been, you know, do a little Russell correction Tice, there. NSA whistleblower Russell Tice is on there. Black mm-hmm. world space capability specialist. She did full coverage of that. And, mm-hmm. You know, they'll bring up things like, uh, you know, like when the FBI was targeting the Wall Street protesters and plans to mm-hmm. snipe them off. You know, that's okay. all the same problem we're dealing with. We have a really covert, mm-hmm. dangerous government, and they have nefarious mm-hmm. plans for people and different groups of people. Where it piggybacks, Todd, and everyone is that Amy Goodman, with these interviews that she's done, now that points over to Washington State, where they were having, um, what is it, John Towery? I think she approached John Towery and how he was um, Army Specialist working with the, I don't know if it was the Seattle Police or the Tacoma Police. And actually, they've had a Uh, lot of... I can't find it 
on officers there, actually. Um, in certain regions of our nation, people just get tired of it. They get tired. And um, I'm not advocating hurting anyone. I'm just saying that there are people who don't have any druthers about defending their life, their family, their freedom, if they feel like they're infringed upon, and they may not, you know. Anyways, I wanted to just touch down on that with Amy Goodman. She's done some good, um, you know, research journalism or just, you know, activist type journalism. But the, uh, the flip... To compound that, Tyra Banks had the family on from Washington State. That it was a family that was targeted by their cell phones. And it seems to be that region. Mm -hmm, They were targeted. And how you could tell they were targeted like us is that they would be sitting in the living room and these people calling and threatening them, threatening their lives, threatening their animals, threatening their well-being, would tell them exactly what her son was eating. He was eating a bowl of ramen, and these people would call on the cell phones. And it started with her daughter giving a phone number away at school. Mm. And then it culminated in all of this following and, and threats and just the whole family. All of their phones were attacked, and I think maybe an aunt as well. And they all were interviewed on the Tyra Banks show. And so, to me, that pointed towards potentially the CTAC area, and that's where they were, and Electronic Frontier Foundation or whatever they're called, they've been involved with the lawsuits up there with John Towery, and then I I looked at that, and now, you know, the government's saying, well, the case is not going to be won because this and that, probably national security, interest of national security. So, you know, back to your point too, Todd, with the, if they can do it to high level military or government officials, we're nothing. And so there was another situation where uh, McCain and Al Franken and a couple others went overseas, some senators and like a, what is it, arms appropriation committee and met with some generals and they were targeted in their hotel rooms. Okay. Um, Cindy, do you have uh, a question? Yeah, but I, well, no, I'm just trying, I'm just compounding, you know, what he was already talking about and just that um, there is, um, yeah, I, mean, I just wanted to marry up with what he was saying. That's all in support. And, um, yeah, they targeted Senator McCain with psychological warfare, too, with the purpose right. of trying to get him to support a bill for spending that they wanted. Um, right. And that type of targeting goes on all the time. Um, in Glenn Greenwald's book, they're talking about, you know, the United Nations, how they were being targeted uh, by, you know, NSA was spying on all of them with the purpose to trick different people into voting the way the United States wanted and the United States ambassador was involved in all that. That's just showing how many, like, low-level standard, you know, citizens here in America have ability to take part in these types of operations to, to target people and misuse uh, 
surveillance and their access Can I ask who you are to other quickly, people? Very quickly, Todd, who you are, um, um, Derek, what his background is and why you have him on the show, real quick. Because some people probably came in like me later and didn't really know. And I just wanted to marry up and, you know, support what he was talking about. But thank you. Okay. Well, Todd, yes. well, Todd is an activist, and um, he's uh, he attended the left forum that was uh, that happened last month, which is basically um, a conference of um, uh, progressive activists, and they examine a lot of the prominent issues that they want to look at. And um, this is this year was the first year, that, at least that I know of, that um, uh, we were invited or we were allowed to uh, present at this conference, and um, our issues were heard by uh, you know the audience there. Uh, Todd was a presenter, and also Dr. Seth Parver. Uh, Todd presented um, his uh, what happened with him, as well as. Uh, a lot of the technology that was being used on him, and um, he was able to speak with um, a lot of people in that room that were very influential and that uh, could uh, really present this issue to a wide audience. And that was really important of uh, his being there and being able to talk with uh, these people that could issue a lot further. So anyway, that's the big background that I presented. Yeah, and I did... I did a lot of good networking. My panel, we had, you know, 30 people in in there. And I was also backed up by two psychologists. And these psychologists both backed me up. One's a professor at University at Cooney at Staten Island. Um, and she did introduce the DARPA brain implant issue and also how New York City cops even have, like, these cars. And everyone's talking about them. They say they're like x-ray cars. They can allegedly pull up next to your house and see into your house. but the uh, police are denying information to the public and the media about what these cars do. What type of technology is in the car? Do the car are the cars decoys? Um, is it just parallel construction? You know, are they actually using satellite interferometry to spy in people's homes? And using these cars is a way to introduce information they got illegally. Legally, you know, because they can go to a judge and get a warrant. We want to go to this house and spy through the wall who got some intelligence on them, you know, and they use the space capability in the NSA to figure out how to set the case up so they could get that warrant. But they want the public to be like focusing on the car and unaware of the true full capability that's there that the state of New York is using. They definitely, the city of New York and Manhattan, Brooklyn, all these others, they're all using this every single day. Okay, well, yeah, and that's right. the importance of that is that um, that some of these people are aware of this um, the surveillance of the technology that's being used, even the mind control technology that's being deployed. However, um, they haven't really um, compared notes and and kind of created an issue around this particular subject, um, as we have, um, you know have the opportunity to present this as an issue. And um, and then, you know, now that this has been brought to their attention, that is something that they can start to network with each other about 
and maybe create uh, this as an issue, um, uh, create maybe some legislation, public awareness, and so forth. Um, and it's, the importance of that is that people are being taken to the psych wards for mentioning that they are being stalked, that they are being electronically harassed. And that is still happening. We've had um, cases just this week. We have a couple of people that have been, um, that are still, uh, at least one of them, is still locked away in a psych ward just for talking about these issues. So um, the more public awareness, the more groups that we can get involved in making the public aware of these implants, of these technologies that are being deployed, um, then, you know, some of this um, uh, abduction to these psych wards, some of that will stop, will stop happening. So anyway, that's oh. important for this, uh, this type of conference. Oh, um, that's exactly the same problem they had in the Soviet Can I Union. Can intervene here, please? In Germany. Man, Anybody okay. who mentioned the government doing wrong is that you spoke out against the Nazis or against the Soviets. Just like here in the United States, you speak out against the United States, uh, you are at risk of being thrown in the well, middle is, or to discredit you. That's all it's about. There is a page. And okay. Um, all right, hold on. Uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to your comments. Um, all right, well, I have some people that are unmuted. If you have questions or comments at this time, go ahead, please. Hi, um, this is Tomo. One more quick, uh, this time is a comment, is that the uh, use of targeted TI, targeted individual to the audience who doesn't know much about this issue, might not be a good idea, even though I really appreciate uh, what you have done at the um, left uh, forum. Um, but uh, I, I think this is a really great uh, progress. But uh, instead of using like a TI or targeted individual without explaining what that means, uh, we should use a conventional word like a torture, organized torture committed by, um, uh, I mean, carried out with electronic weapons and stuff like that. That's more understandable. Or like the audience mm. will, yeah, we will probably have more wider audience uh, attention or the yeah, yeah, wider understanding than uh, yeah. using a word TI uh, in a mm. text like, you know, introduction. I, I read the introduction paragraph or description of your panel or something, panel discussion at the left forum website. And um, the word TI, targeted individual, is used without any... Uh, that, that's kind of something that we do again and again because we're in this community. Everybody knows what the TI is. But when we are talking to your audience, who doesn't know much about it at all, then now uh, we have to start using a word that they understand immediately, such as torture. That is true. Um, I like to, but I mean, there's so many terms for these victims. I call them victims. You can call them uh, surveillance subject. Um, but the best thing to do is, I like to start off talking about the technology. I talk about how satellites they're openly admitting that different levels of government different parts of government like at NASA and and JAXA 
this uh, Japanese space agency, they, they'll talk about this technology, how it can holographically image raindrops as cyclones and CO2 emissions for EPA regulation enforcement. And they will say that they broadcast two microwaves from space into the raindrops or the cyclone. Um, right. To, uh, and that this is this could be an MRI technique. Um, it'll cause the protons and the raindrops, the yeah. atomic oh. molecule, or atomic particles, to broadcast back to the satellites, and then boom, they have a 3D scan, like a hologram or an MRI oh. or some of yeah. whatever they're doing. Well, they use this on people in their homes. There's no limiting factors. Um, well, yeah, my, my, yeah, maybe I, um, I should be more clear. When we're talking about this issue, first time when we introduced this issue, say, in the a panel discussion description or something like that, or in the website when we first introduced this issue to people who don't know much about it, uh, we can start using a word like, you know, uh, sur surveillance and torture being used to discredit the target. And stuff like that. Instead of using a word "ti," um, like uh, at the very beginning, we can st still use the word "targeted individuals" or you know, organized torture victims and stuff like that. But um, right at the in the introductory paragraph, um, I, I was just wondering if we could be more careful about the use of language to to get, gather wider uh, comprehension and attention of the yeah of the audience. Yeah, and I really do like to start off describing how people are being targeted and hurt. Mm -hmm. So that's why I always start off with the technology and the capability. And I, I'll bring up electron spin resonance, which is a technology that was originally designed to be used in military radar and satellites before they miniaturized military radar and satellite technology into smaller, more compact uh, units where they could use them inside of like a if you were at a scientific lab, you would be using these to carbon, like date material. You'd bring in like a skull. Oh, how old is this? You know, electron spin resonance has a lot of uses, um, a lot of uses. Um, and I mean, Coke uses this technology too. That's Coca-Cola to monitor the oranges that they grow for their simply orange drink. Right? And so think of that orange as a target individual. I mean, they're scanning the orange to learn the characteristics digitally, to monitor the characteristics digitally of when it's going to be ripe and ready to pick. And then they pick that orange and they go and they make their simply orange drink. Coca-Cola disclosed those techniques on Bloomberg reports. And many, many farmers are using the space capability. Uh, it's crop-based interferometry. They used to have a Wikipedia article on it. There's info out there. So, these target individuals are people who the, yeah, um, they'll be like, just like all the pro harassment techniques, right? They'll learn how to troll you or they'll plan how to troll you, go out and harass you, whatever, stalk you, role play, do a lot of stuff. Well, they'll plan how to hit you up with radiation. That's just, that's, it's, it's like a bag of tricks, you know, it's like, doing a fart gag on somebody, except they're using radiation on them, taking it way, way too far. Uh, okay. Um, I'd like to talk, uh, yes, uh, 
let me just make a, a quick comment about this this term. I mean, uh, for, well, for years we have kind of bandied around some some various terms about uh, you know, something to substitute for targeted individual, and some people take exception to that to that term. Um, the the thing is that you know, yes, it's military terminology, and uh, some people feel it's degrading. But at the same time, it explains exactly what's happening to us, an individual that is targeted. It's very simple. It's very concise. We've not come up with anything else that fits more exactly. So that's really the reason why we haven't come up with anything that um, is better than something that's simple and to the point and fits exactly. So... Yeah, I, I don't really think it's demeaning. I don't really think it's demeaning, right. but yeah, it's, um, people, it's, some it's, people resent that it's a military term, um, a governmental term, which it is. But um, at the same time, I think it's something that is um, it's useful. It, it just serves yeah, the purpose. The thing is, you can use it, but uh, I see a mistake of using the word in, say, Richmond uh, Resolution without explaining what that means. I mean, that, that I think is a mistake by using a, a targeted individual without explanation. What does it mean? By, what does that mean? You know, we have to explain that first. Um, we see the TI, sort of when we, when we are presenting this matter to the public first time, like in the resolution text or something like that, I mean, we have to use the word, you know, more than just targeted individual. We can still use the word targeted individual later. But uh, we, using it right at the first time when we just, you know, mention this issue, um, we might want to be careful. What does that mean by targeted? By you know, like in what way? You know, there's a torture involved. It's done in an organized manner. They will irradiate a targeted individual, and that is torture. Um, if we had a police report on it, and or maybe like some type of formal document. They would call us a targeted individual in that document. This individual is targeted. Here's his, you know, data and you know, profile and uh, all the NSA whistleblowers also call us targets. They target us. We get uh -huh. targeted. Uh, that word target it seems to be the one that everyone's using when they're watching and going after somebody specifically or harassing and torturing that person, they are a target. I see. Right. Their I bodies are being targeted. That's, that's a good point. It's not really limited to our use. You know, there are many uh, groups that are using that term to indicate that somebody's being targeted. So it's, it's, I think it's widely understood, in my opinion. Okay, uh, let's move along. Uh, if, if anyone is like muted. Go ahead. Hey, can anyone hear me? Yes, we can. Go can ahead, please. Great, thank you. Um, I, have a, I have a couple things. Um, one, one thing is, is that with the things that you're doing, Todd, and, and this is Linda, and I had actually Twittered you a couple weeks ago. Um, like, in my case, I'm remote controlled at this point. And um, it would be really, really great if we had packets of information available for different kinds of states that different kinds of people are in that you have. So, 
say my perps are messing with me right now. So, for for example, on your site, I found um, information about a patent for doing remote control back in '98 from a satellite. That's really useful because that yes. that says that that, te- that technology has been here for 18 years. The actual ability to remote control a person mentally, emotionally etc. has been here for 18 years. I don't even know how many people in the TI community know that, in all honesty. Yeah, and it, it actually goes back, a, here. it goes back a little bit further. 1974, it goes back even a little further. The first satellites in military radar, um, they were deploying some of these in the 1930s, and then you know, 1950s, the 1960s, they deployed the first phased arrays. These things can shoot beams in all different directions over a time division and have multiple beams to do rapid scanning and assaults remotely from the ground and they could use the atmosphere to bounce signals all around. It's just it's just incredible. Nobody even knows how amazing these things are. These things are just incredible. Um and the satellites added on a redundant layer to this. Um um, 1974, though, is when the first radar patent actually re-nultered the cells in your nervous system remotely um, by scanning you using what's basically an MRI or electron spin resonance technique. It's also called interferometry. And altering your signals with radio frequency as well with the same system. Um, the one in 1998 is really interesting. It patents more of the system, patents the back end, the fiber optic uh, transmission system. Um, it could cover that particular patent, expands the patent to like uh, if you have a electrode on your, your skull or something uh, and you hooked it in your computer and did it all over the Internet, that's part of the patent. And it includes two-way communication. So you'll have a system of transmitters uh, and receivers or simultaneous transmitter receiving devices, which can be either the electrodes or like a radar or a satellite or something. And they can hit your body up and do different things, um, including activate, you know, like different drug effects like Prozac and depressant effects, absolutely. Alzheimer's effects. Absolutely, they do that with make, Absolutely. Yeah, make you hungry or uh, less right. hungry. They gave an example of its use, like if you, they had a spy in the Middle East and she had been captured, they could use this on her to communicate with her and, like, soothe her, torture, um, like, if she was being starved or something, uh-huh. make it so she wasn't hungry and didn't have all the pain or, you know, different things. Maybe make it so she could endure a lot of torture, <laughs> different things, you know. And it's all talking right. about writing the patent. I would say that I have experienced a, a lot of those different things. I'm a, I'm an extremely highly tortured uh, TI and um, just off the charts. So I'm trying. One a couple things that I want to um, say is the first thing is it would be really great if we could somehow get information together because your like your site has all this stuff together for your case and I'm kind of putting this out to Derek also. But it would be great if we had information in, for example, if you are. Um, somebody who thinks they're being programmed as programmed as a Manchurian candidate, that there would be a place where there's all the information that the, the, the specialists know about. Or if you think that you're being targeted to be put in a mental institute, because some of you know some people know that that's what their perps are trying to do. How do you defend against a schizophrenic 
um, uh, charge against you if you get put in a mental hospital. Like maybe Colin Ross's institute would help put something together that we could have right away, that we could get to a facility right away and say, look, these are specialists and they'll talk to you on the phone about the person you have or, uh, and yeah. I, or a remote I, control been, person. Yeah, I've been trying to hook people up with that. Um, I recommend you, where you live, get Medicaid and look up the provider database and pick out a PhD psychologist or a PsyD psychologist and call them up and ask them if they know about military trauma um, because military trauma covers us as victims and it covers also veterans. When they're in the military, they'll be traumatized from the war. But many of these doctors have experience working with war crimes victims or people who have been traumatized by the military law enforcement in some way. And they'll work with you and maybe, you know, help keep you out of a mental institution or something. You'll do weekly therapy. If you ever get picked up by the cops or taken to a hospital or something, you'll have your own doctor there to come in, talk to their doctor and say, no, this person ain't male. You need to let them go. She is a target individual. She's working on her own unique experience. You know, she's got a legal case or whatever, you know, and I have her diagnosed PTSD. And here you're trying to force medicate her and, you know, say she's mentally ill and this and that. Uh, and that's just not right. Now, I actually had doctors do this for me because I went through a lot of harassment from law enforcement. They would come out to my house, and they would not be afraid to just arrest me for no reason. And I would always get out. And it's not just because I had these doctors. It's also because I knew the techniques just to uh, right. cooperate in custody, tell them I want to be let go immediately, tell them I don't want their medications or their treatment. I'm not here by uh, uh, any agreement. I want a release. I'm not a danger to myself or others. To hold you, you have to be a danger to yourself or others in every single state that I know of. So that means at that moment, you have to be wanting to kill yourself um, by demonstrating it, by showing that you've made an attempt to hurt yourself, um, or you have to have made threats to somebody or made a homicidal attempt to be kept. So if those conditions can't be met and you argue, you... So you argue everything correctly to your doctor and to the judge. I mean, you could be let go day one um, or let go at your hearing like that. Just be really careful. You don't have to cooperate or do anything else while you're there. Just eat, sleep, take a shower, wait till your release day. Um, and I would keep Dr. Seth Farber's uh, phone number handy because you can have your doctor or your attorney call Dr. Seth Farber and He'll testify in court sometimes for certain people, especially if you give him a little bit of money, um, you know, 100 bucks, 50 bucks. And, um, but if you have your own doctor, that's even better because your own lo- local doctor will be like, yeah, this person's in treatment with me. And I've already verified they're not a danger to themselves or others. You should let them go. I know that I have a lot of trouble. My perps use, uh, uh, frequency drugs on me a lot, which is just horrific. Even scopolamine, you know, which yeah. is, if you know what that is probably. So they're using that kind of stuff. So at any time, they can put me flat down and I can be in that state, which is just a horrific kind of a situation. So um, I do have another uh, question for you. So my first question is, it would be great if, if we can start getting all of our, the information. And I think you had your website. It was awesome when I looked at it. I was like, wow, I wish I could do something like that to try to protect myself because my particular perps were hired 
and they're like all uh, you know ex MI5 ex CIA. They're very very high tech, and they're doing things with me that are extremely experimental, extremely scary. And so all the things that you mentioned that are in that patent, they've done with me. Just things that I don't hear that are coming out of other TIs' mouths, you know, about levels of uh, control and um, and so forth. And their threat is to, you know, try to take a nonviolent person and make them into a violent person. And they basically said, we found a person who can do this, and that's the program that you're in right now. And I can tell you, I go through absolutely horrific torture. I mean, like 30,000 hours already of torture and pain. I mean, off the charts, like 20 hours a day sometimes before this last month. That's how much torture I was getting a day. And I, I don't mean like easy torture. I mean eyes popping out of your head torture. And so I'm in some kind of serious trauma-based programming uh, program. And I don't even know where somebody like me can go. I bet I need to go someplace at this point. I have talked um, with Seth, and um, and so he, you know, so that he knows I'm in a in a trauma-based program by my perps. But I also know that um, in in kind of all of this situation, that somehow or other there has to be a way that we can talk to people within our own TI community, like you or Duncan or Hall or whatever, about new things that are happening to us so that they know that these new things are happening. I don't even know. I can't even reach people because I'm so isolated right now. None of my phone calls or emails are being responded to except maybe 5%. Nobody's getting back to me. I'm putting help calls out to deprogrammers. I'm putting help calls out to specialists, and I'm getting nothing back. And my perps are, you know, super high tech. And I know they're high tech because when they really, when I really suddenly have a thought outside of my, uh, the range that they want me to think, and I try to contact somebody they didn't expect, suddenly my computer goes down, and it's down. I don't care if I'm at the library. I don't care if I'm at home. It doesn't matter where I am. My computer goes down, and that message never gets out. Our so equipment is extremely vulnerable to EMP uh, blasts. So there's, I would like to somehow find a way that you know there's something can be done. So right now, um, you know, I had wanted to contact you and you know different people to say, you know, my case, I have some very unusual information about what my perps are doing that people need to know is happening because it's high level. It's high level programming of taking a person and moving them from who they used to be to a different person, not a simple Manchurian candidate. It only takes a month to do that. I've been programmed for two years solid. Not It only takes a month now with the new stuff to make a Manchurian candidate according to the, to the, to the programmers who do that and the deprogrammers who are deprogramming them. And I've been programmed now for two years. And it's like I need to find somebody who can help me figure this out. And I don't even know where to go in our organization to do that. So there are people like, you know, that are dealing with some unusual things. So I'm kind of putting that out, like where does somebody like, like me in this situation go? And, um, and know that at the same time, my perps are setting me up right now for something. And, oh, yes. Um, we're, we're absolutely helpless in the United States. Um, and I've traced this all the way back to our weak constitution. Um, there is no public defense services for civil cases, really, besides habeas corpus. You can try filing a habeas corpus or a restraining order. But the fact that the Constitution is 300 years old, it's really lacking in human rights. There's no right to education, no right to college, no right to housing, no right to basic income, 
no minimum wage, no right to be free from torture, no right to a lawyer. Like if you were in Italy right now, you might have some hope. If you're in Germany, you might have some hope. In Finland, you might have some hope because in many of those European countries, they have all these things and their citizens are healthier as a result. And if something comes up, they've got that ability to take it into court with a free lawyer. The state will pay for you to have a lawyer. All these experts will be hired for free, investigators. So if you were being hit like this, think if a TIC here in America had access to a system like that, well, free right. lawyers, free investigators, all these doctors would be paid and willing to testify in court on your behalf. Um, Medicaid is a terrible system. It's the only one that's even remotely possible to get some uh, type of experts hired for free by going out in your town and looking up the database and you, you hand pick one, you talk to them all, find which one you're going to be comfortable with that wants to work with you. And you got to educate them too, because just because they're familiar with military trauma, they're going to, they're going to want some of this info brought in. So you have printouts and handouts from the internet, even like, you know, Colonel Space Preservation Act, Colonel Dr. Robert Duncan's Neuropsychological Electronic Neurotest Charts Report, you know, bring in some of my psychological reports to, to show, you know, how other TIs out there have been, you know, properly diagnosing the victim and bring in info on my roommate and Aaron Alexis and all that. And these doctors actually take interest in that. And my, uh, my doctors, they got on my website, drrobertduncan.com and abomblepin.com, um, and they listen to the full Dr. Robert Duncan um, audio on directed energy and how it was being used on people. And they listen to the videos of Dr. Colin Ross and stuff. And They educated themselves. And plus, they already have a lot of background because of, like I said, if they mention that, yeah, they got some uh, experience with military trauma, my doctor said, like uh, Dr. Mitzi Gerich, she was like, yeah, I've worked with lots of veterans, and they've all told me these stories about all these bad things that happened to them. <laughs> and that seems to be common uh, amongst many doctors. They've heard a lot of bad things about the military already on the private practice side. Um, on the private hospital side, I don't know if you'll get help or not there um, because the hospitals are very closely tied into the, the law enforcement, the military, and they call that the military industrial complex. They've taking part in MK Ultra and Obama's brain initiative and NSA surveillance and watching suspects and doing security and this and that. They're really dangerous and you can't uh, get help, in my opinion, from a hospital unless you're really lucky. Um, their doctors, what they want to do when you go in is put you in the psych unit, determine you're incompetent because you're schizophrenic, delusional, persecutory delusions, um, because you complain about the government. And then once you have a diagnosis, they just want to give you medications. That's it. That's the only thing they do there. It's a it's a little lockup to give you medicine by force. So try to go with a judge, get the judge to agree to injections against your will if you don't want to take the pills. They'll give you a shock treatment against your will where 40% of your brain can be wiped out in your memories if they give you that shock treatment. So they're trying to erase who you are. Um, and right. the, the once they've accomplished that, you know, they've injured you, they've given you brain damage, they dump you back out on the streets at some point, uh, especially um, after you start submitting to everything because you're so afraid of everything they're doing uh, and you just want to get out. You start saying whatever they want to hear. That's what hospitals are for, emergency rooms and university hospitals. That's all they're for.
Okay. Um, so be careful of those guys, but private practice ones, yeah, definitely go there. Um, I've had really great success, and I've found that most doctors who don't like to work in a hospital because of those problems, they'll usually be in private practice, some of them. Um, but don't go to a psychiatrist. They're also in that same game. A psychiatrist and a nurse practitioner is what they call med prescribers. All they do is what those hospital doctors do. They pick a diagnosis and they drug. Um, and you can confirm this by even asking them, hey, do you do any psychotherapy or do you do any CBT or anything? If your psychiatrist says no, then that means that all they're going to do is evaluate you for drugs. But there are some psychiatrists who split against that. Um, like if you go to psychology today, you can find some that mention, you know, doing art therapy and psychotherapy and even med tapering where they try to take you off your med, yeah. you know. Uh, there, so there are right. some psych. you just, you really got to be selective and really look at who you're going to go to. The PhDs and the CITES are the best though because they don't prescribe meds. They evaluate you. They do psych reports. They do psychotherapy, and that's all they do. Um, okay. Do yeah. do we have um, do we have any people in the military or in the FBI CIA that are TI friendly? That somebody who's uh, I mean, basically, do we have any people like that, or is Duncan the closest person that we have to somebody like that? Do we do we have people that we can go to that? if we're in a situation where we don't know why we're being programmed up, but we think it's something not good that we, that we can go to. Well, would, uh, would opinion, you even recommend that? it's hard to, it's hard to say. I would say no. Um, uh, Duncan's good though. Duncan is the Ten best expert we have. Um, you have, you have a lot of other people out there too. Like, uh, you say, uh, I don't really know right now. There's so many names. I have, a, I have a whole list of 50 names that I use. What like about these people, Dr. They don't Sanginger? Help. Huh? Sanginger, who does the blood work. And oh, oh, yeah. I've heard some bad things about Sanger, but that's just my opinion. I don't want to go to her because she charges $2,000. Uh, and we had a couple of, like, 16 lawyers look at one of her reports, and then we had uh, Dr. Robert Duncan look at one of her, the same report, we had Dr. Colin Ross, a psychiatrist, military mind control expert. We had Dr. Seth Farber look at it, and we had a guy's PCP, and we actually, no, none, no one believed the report. Duncan said she got the frequencies wrong, and uh, the other one uh, just no, the said it was inconclusive. Melinda, Melinda Kidder does the frequencies. Yeah, Melinda Kidder and will scan your body. And she came up with two for as much money as she wanted. You should have a guarantee. But Stanger did the blood work to tell how much nano does. So I was wondering what kind of test you would... It'd have to be a heavy metal in your blood, right? Um, well, the, the, I don't really think there's any tests you can do, honestly, because uh, you're talking about... I mean, most people are complaining about getting hit with direct energy. Uh I would say any local private investigator can help you with that. Uh, they have devices, um, body scanners, EMF Not scanners. Not for your blood. I went to one, and I think he's the one who turned me in. But um, 
I did uh, see one of Roger Tolstoy's report on blood. Yeah, Roger Tolstoy's is recommended by Dr. Robert Duncan, uh, and he has a two hundred fifty thousand dollar piece me. of yeah. He has a two hundred fifty dollar or two hundred fifty thousand dollar piece of equipment, which is a Tektronics electronic warfare detector, and it detects a good part of the spectrum that they use from you know up to like ninety gigahertz or something. I can't remember the precise number, but that's way better than the equipment Melinda Kidder has, which uh, she sent me some pamphlets and it only detects up to like seven gigahertz or nine gigahertz or something. But this technology, it could use anything from like, you know, zero, one megahertz up to like hundreds of gigahertz. So there's a huge spectrum Dr. Sanger and Melinda Kidder aren't even testing for. And the problem is her report, you know, they try to claim that we found all these implants in a person uh, and some radar frequencies coming in and stuff like that. And it was energizing the implants or whatever. Uh, We were concerned that her report, she couldn't explain it. We wanted to get with her and talk more. She threatened to sue us all. And she wanted me to take the report off my website. And uh, based on that, uh, the, the report's, you know, just not good enough. It, it it can't be used in court. All the lawyers were like, no, this report, it's a fraud. We don't, this report doesn't prove nothing. You go to a doctor and you get one of these uh, implants removed, then we'll represent you. But this, this report, it says you have them, but it doesn't prove it at all. I don't believe this report at all. So, and then Senator refused to talk to any lawyers or anybody on this guy's behalf. This was Ken Posner, Kenneth Posner is the uh, previous board of directors of Freedom. Uh, he's the one that had that terrible experience uh, with Sanders' report. And our understanding is she's gotten so many people scanned yeah, and evaluated, but, but nobody's gotten help yet. Yeah, so uh, people so didn't get correct the answers. But I did happen to find, and I'll make it real quick so I know this lady was talking to you. Um, I wanted to know if you've ran across the site. It's called, um, it's on a PDF file. I found it. I must have went to it. It's justice.gov. And um, one of the areas of it was called Electronic Surveillance Manual Procedures and Case Law Forms. It is 236 pages. And it goes all the way through of everything that they are supposed to be held accountable to and the forms and who you talk to when you have a complaint. I just wondered if anybody knew that. Um, I had a question. Who is the person who has the more sophisticated equipment? Oh, uh, Roger Tolstoy. Does anyone just hear me? This is, yes. the, this is their manual. Hey, I would love you to send that manual to me, really. If you email that to me, go on drrobertdoken.com and just send me an email with the link. I love you really simply. Just go to justice.gov. Okay. Go up, go up into their search bar and type um, electronic, you know, electronic surveillance manual, and it'll come right up for you. That's a killer manual. I can't move you 236 pages. Yeah, Uh, Roger Toll says is the guy who does the more sophisticated uh, body scan and his equipment can detect um, many more 
frequencies and record it in like a video. And he's got a thing where he does like one day of checking for implants, one day of checking for electronic warfare and stuff like that. Um, but here's what I tell everyone. This is only going to show something. If they want to, to mess with the equipment, they want to beam some frequencies into you as you're sitting there and he's using it, that, that right. equipment can detect. Um, and in many TIs, they will simply stop broadcasting. Okay. Where is he located? Los California. Angeles. California? Yeah. Oh, is he on your site someplace? No. Uh, yeah. Underneath the first video of Obamasweapon.com, I have letters from people who support me, including my psychologist and stuff. One of those is a letter from Roger Tulsa's saying he would do these scans for $2,000 over a five-day period uh, and spend so many hours on it. Okay. And he also saying, what, is on, he's on YouTube, too. Probably, yeah. And his yeah, website is called bugsweeps.com. Or there, there's one, one website called Bug Sweep. The other is like bugsweep. I don't know. Just check all I the different combinations of bugs. And, his last name is spelled T-O-L. C-E. Yeah. Google search Roger Tulsa as you'll get his website. Yeah. Um, All right, everybody, I uh, have to go. My phone's about dead. Well, take care. Check that site out. Okay. Justice.gov. It's the legal thing that they're supposed to follow, and it gives a lot of names of who you write to if they don't comply. I thought that was interesting. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Todd, for uh, thank you, Todd, for being with us and for sharing your information. And hope you can come back again soon. Yes, we'll be back with Doctor Seth Farber. You want us on two weeks? Oh yes, yes, please. If you all can come back. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Okay. Have a good night. Okay. Uh, that was uh, Todd Giffen, and uh, he and uh, Doctor Farber. Uh, spoke recently at the Left Forum last month, and um, he is considered to be a technology expert, and which he seems to be. And uh, he presented at this conference, and uh, he is uh, on his way to be recognized in our community as somebody that is an expert. And uh, he's extremely knowledgeable about a lot of uh, subjects having to do with technology. So we hope to have him back uh, soon and then also very often. So um, Dr. Seth Farber had an emergency tonight. And um, he also had something. He couldn't be here last week either. So uh, I was finally able, I finally uh, compelled uh, Todd to, uh, to come on by himself. He was reluctant to do so but I'm very glad that he did because he has been um, an excellent source of information and uh, inspiration in this community, and we hope to have him back. And for some reason, he feels he has to be with Dr. Farber, but uh, he doesn't because he has lots of information himself. So, um, you know, we'll be glad to have Dr. Farber with him, but uh, we, we certainly appreciate him coming on and sharing his uh, his information and experiences tonight. Okay, um, at this time we're going to switch gears and we're going to segue into general topics. 
Um, one of the things we wanted to talk about, uh, is, and this is something that has been kind of a burning issue this past uh, past few days, and this is um, having to do with the New York Times article that was uh, written, that was published uh, um, a few days ago uh, by uh, an editor reporter for the New York Times called Mike McFaith. And uh, it was an interesting name. Uh, he wrote a scathing piece about targeted individuals in our community, and it was uh, totally derogatory. It was accusatory, uh, he, and it sounded as, as if the article, as if he was trying uh, to advocate for having targeted individuals rounded up and placed in a mental institution where they belong. It was just uh, horrendous implications. Uh, from this article, and um, I mean, he was almost militant in his viewpoint about targeted individuals. So um, it has uh, needlessly offended many in our community, and there were just uh, just many people were very incensed about what he wrote. So there are a lot of um, there's a lot of emotion behind his article. And those of you that are here that have read the article probably have a lot to say about it. So we can discuss that tonight and some options for um, remedying the situation. Uh, if you're here and you have something to say about the article, feel free at this time to start eight on your phone as we continue our discussion. Okay, I'm unmuting a few people. Uh, if you have a question or comment, uh, the topic of the discussion at this point tonight uh, is the New York Times article. Uh, and please let's stay on topic uh, for um, for a while until we have um, everyone has their say about this uh, particular topic. Um, if you're just joining us. Um, we're just beginning our discussion about the New York Times article written by Mike McFate. And um, Star 8, and I really have to uh, to make this announcement more often because every week I get uh, emails from people that say that they couldn't be heard and they really didn't know about the Star 8 function. So if you, if you have a comment and you would like to be heard, everyone is muted at the moment, Star 8 is the request to talk feature, and I can unmute your line. How about, <clears throat> how about um, filing a class uh, action lawsuit against this uh, reporter for uh, slander? For slander? Um, yeah. Well, that would be uh, someone that is uh, individually slandered if... if uh, Say Dr. Hall or uh, Robert Duncan would like to uh, to bring a suit, then they could. I mean, the, the entire community. Right, but also we're basically defamed as a community, as a class of people. So we could the complaints of uh, organized stalking and organized culture can file class action lawsuits against the the writer. So okay. Well, I mean. Um, it would have to be a specific to. Uh, um, I'm not a lawyer, though. 
I'm just saying it will probably have to be a specific individual and whatever um, was said would have to be something that's not true. And um, they can bring a suit. <laughs> what? What he's saying is not true. And well, that's what, well, whatever is not true, they can take him to court and sue him for it. Yeah, so you could sue him for slander. And uh, we could consider filing class action lawsuit against him. Well, I don't know if we can... <laughs> well, I don't anyway, think I... Class action lawsuit doesn't work that way, Tomo. I mean, he did not uh, he did not offend the, the community just by saying the targeted individuals were... Um, well, stating its opinion about what should happen to them, that's not something that's going to hold up in court. You would have to be, I mean, if, if there was an organization or something that he named, uh, then that organization could take action. But um, just, to blatantly, just to blanketly say that targeted individuals in general, um, well, he didn't, I don't think he really stated that uh, specifically as something that should happen, but he kind of implied that. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, in order for him, for us to sue him, it would have to be, um, well, I'm going to let an attorney comment on that, but in my opinion, it would have to be a uh, specific person that would have to do that. We probably could not uh, do that as a class action. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but anyway. Yeah, well, the... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt the other lady. Um, I just had another question. Um, I hadn't read the article myself. My name is Lisa, by the way, um, from California. And I just wanted to know, is there any way you can respond, like the editorial comment? And, you know, so, you know, those of us that are who are TIs, you know, should be able to have our say, I would think, after a, um, an inflammatory commentary like that. Well, I mean, we could have our say. We really cannot expect the New York Times to be the venue uh, where we could speak. But, um, I mean, they would uh, they would have us to go through the process like everyone else. That is, that you submit your comments uh, to the... Uh, editorial page or to the letters to the editor or to the opinion piece um, uh, process. There's, there, there's uh, a number of um, places where the public is invited to comment. And uh, if your opinion is selected among the thousands and thousands of ones that they get, then that's what will be published. And, and you've got to keep in mind that the New York Times will be the one uh, doing the selecting. Right, no, I get it. I'm wondering, like, if maybe we as an organization could, um, you know, maybe with your, you know, leadership, uh, make some type of a commentary and then hope to get it published, you know, because it really is a, a horrendous thing. Well, it makes me that. even wonder. I mean, maybe I'm paranoid or whatever. <laughs> Most of us probably are after what we've been through. But um, maybe, the, you know, the, they may have a perp within their uh, reporter. Um, you know, news journalists, you know, myths to write that, something that like be, that, you know. That could be. Um, and unless there was um, something defamatory uh, in the piece, 
which I'm not sure that anything that he wrote was rose to the level of defamation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the New York Times was being sued. They probably would not do anything about it. Right. I, I Yeah, I, I realize that. But I'm just saying I think it's sad, you know, that they may have somebody in there who is a perp or, um, you know, in their midst. Oh, well, they have these types of things happen all the time. So yeah. uh, now whether, you know, they will do, you know, and, and they give the reporters uh, leverage as to what they want to write and how they want to write it. And it could mm-hmm. be this is, that, was, that may have been his assignment. Who knows? Yeah. So, um, so I'm not sure how much justice that we can expect the New York Times to really do in this case. Unless mm-hmm. unless okay, unless there was a situation where um the public <clears throat> rose up and disagreed and felt that it was um uh an outrage uh, an outrage for them to read something that was um tremendously unfair mm-hmm. to target individuals or something of this nature, and people mm-hmm. were uh, mm-hmm. highly offended, and um, they they did something uh, violent or something like that, which brought a lot of attention. Right. And, uh, and people, um, the public sided with the targeted individuals. Now, something like right. that were to happen, the, the New York Times would um, yeah. maybe take, you know, a maybe... Mm-hmm you know, a more favorable view of what right. we're doing. We would yeah, have sadly. to be the result of public, offen- uh, public opinion that, oh, sure. Uh, sure. that was against them. Yeah, so, sadly, um, I don't think we're going to get that until, like, I think you said it best once, until we're the majority. You know, I don't think we're going to get anything like that, sadly. But, I, but, but, but you're saying this, it makes my wheels turn, and it makes me wonder and, and think, that maybe because they wrote that now and published it for whatever their reasons are and whatever reasons his, the author was to write it, um, I'm wondering if we could possibly turn this around to our advantage and have you or one of us, uh, one of the, uh, somebody on a correspondent committee or whatever, call them up and see if perhaps under the circumstances, you know, explain our situation and what we go through every day and how it was uh, very upsetting to us, this population, minority population. Um, and possibly would they consider doing an article in, um, on the opposite side, you know, to highlight our plight, so to speak. I'm wondering. Okay. You know, um, there's, you know, there's some, there's some that are planning a protest um, in New York City at the... Um, I guess at the New York Times building this Monday. So um, if that oh really they did oh wow yeah yeah there is um uh, Tyrone Dew um I don't know if he's still here today he was here earlier Uh, Mm -hmm. Tyrone called me um, earlier today and he wanted to um, come on the call and and speak about that so Mm. um, if so that that might get some attention but I don't know. how much the New York Times would cover it. Um, some other news would have to bring attention to this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right. There's others, the Boston Globe or whatever other newspapers they have in New York. Uh, well, we, yeah, we have some connections to the left sort of media, right, through the left forum. Uh, 
you know, so maybe you could ask Father or Seth to contact these people to do something, you know, maybe something can be done through Amy Goodman or some other left, left media, you know, figures, the big, big ones. Okay. Um, yes, who's there? Oh, hi, it's Barb. Um, I don't have the article in front of me. I had a friend who was a journalist for USA Today read it to me. So there was, oh. there was one thing. First of all, I asked her when she was done, what would most people think after reading that article? Because mm. she was a journalist for USA Today. She said most people would say, they are probably crazy by reading this article. I said, okay, that's, you know. Um, one thing I was wondering about, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. She read it quickly because she was in a hurry. True or false? He, the article pretty much claimed that anybody that heard voices was delusional. Did I hear that right? Okay, I'd have to review it. Um, I just read well, it. The reason, the reason I brought it up is Robert Duncan can prove that. You know, he can prove the whole V2K thing, which he was, I heard he was interviewed for like hours and he wasn't used. So mm-hmm. if somebody mentioned in the very beginning, you know, suing them, well, that's going too far. However, if, if I heard that right and it was stated in the article that people that hear voices are delusional, the comeback would be good from somebody like Robert Duncan. Well, you know, that is, uh, that's something, I mean, there, there's several points uh, in the article that could be proven by fact. Yeah. And uh, also, you know, as, far as, as far as hearing voices are uh, as concerned, psychiatrists nowadays do not make, uh, automatically make that assumption um, as of um, DSM-5. That is not automatically grant you a um a diagnosis of mental illness as DS four. Um so they don't have to um automatically say that you're um schizophrenic if you hear voices because there are so many well adjusted individuals that do hear voices and uh lead normal lives. So they have to change that that classification. Oh, okay. Derek? Yeah. Hey, it's me. I'm Jami. I'm I'm on a, an Obama phone with very limited minutes, and I wanted to make an announcement um, uh, with regards to an event that's going to deal with the um, Mike McFat um, article. Okay, go ahead and make your announcement quickly, then, uh, Jami. All right. Well, as everybody knows, that that video that was that was linked to that article was a video that I made in 2014, the plea for help uh, targeted individual I wrote and directed, and he never reached out to him, and I tweeted him to reach out to me, and he did it. But at any rate, on July um, 20, on July 23rd of 2000, did somebody stop making that noise? On July 23rd, uh, I'm going to have an all-day media event and um, is going to uh, compose uh, uh, three parts, facts and stats, where, you know, people can, you know, read about, you know, patented technologies that, you know, affect us. Uh, We'll have, like, individual and um, 
group testimony and then a town and then a town hall uh forum on july twenty third um uh, which will be next month. It's a free event, but I am fundraising for it, and I have, you know, two cameramen on board uh, with boom mics. So, you know, it's, it, it it will be a nice uh, production, and then, you know, people can use it uh, however they like. Okay. All right, thank you, Jamie, for your announcement. And you, you're welcome to come back next week to... Um, to refresh our memory about uh, this event. And um, uh, the topic is something different at the moment, and um, we we need to get back to it. But you're certainly welcome to come back again next week and, and make this uh, announcement again. Okay, um, what we're talking about now is the New York Times article and um, your thoughts about this, this, uh, this story and uh, some some activism ideas or whatever else you think that we should do in response. Okay, if you're just joining us, star eight is the request to talk feature to join our discussion. Derek, I wish Dr. John Hall was on this call because they mentioned him in the article and right. they they, uh, they tried to cast him in a bad light saying that he went up before a psychiatric board and he's a doctor. Oh, that's uh, right. I sure do. And and that that is that is a a, a cause for for a lawsuit. And here's the other thing: uh, Dr. John Hall has written two books. One called Satellite Terrorism, and Dr. John Hall wrote Guinea Pigs, which is a history of of mind control research and experimentation uh, on civilians and in mental hospitals. He has had V2K. And he passed the psychiatric board. They could not uh, call him um, crazy. So there, there is the, there's the, a figure in this article that could uh, lead to a lawsuit and um, uh, exposure of uh, uh, the, the subject on a deeper level because he's written two books about it. Right. And I wish right. he was on. The, I wish he was on the call. And this, this, uh, you know, it, uh, it, this could be what turns it around for us. Okay. If someone has a, uh, has a number for him, I would like to contact him. Uh, I know he's on Facebook a lot. Um, and I have, his phone. I have his phone number, Derek. I'll go get it. Okay. If you want, if you want to invite him, you know, we'd be glad to talk to him. You know, you know, he can uh, call in. Um, <coughs> Yeah, and think about having him on tonight. But he's certainly welcome to share his views about this article. Um, and and again, if um, if he wants to sue for defamation, he would have to. Um, the things said about him would have to be not true, for one thing. Um, but anyway, he'd have to talk to an attorney about that. Um, and I'm not sure he wants to bring further attention to this issue, but, you know, it'll be up to him what he wants to do about it. Well, okay, I'll, I'll text him tomorrow. Well, what about, um, Cindy and Kelly, what about having, um, like, 10 of our, or 15 of our um, solid um, representatives from the TI community calling into the um, New York Times 
and just, you know, and, and, and maybe writing it in a letter form, but also making the phone calls, something like that. And contacting the, the person that wrote that piece, direct, you know, in letter form that, and, and just coming across really, um, you know, well, bringing up some of the points that we don't agree with. And maybe they could write another, you know, piece and retract some of the things that they thought, you know, maybe they were having a bad day and they just came off crazier than they think we are. And don't interrupt me, please. Thank you. What do you think Um, about that, Derek? What do you think about that? Well, I don't know. Most of what you said was was uh, muffled. I didn't hear what you said, and there was some noise going on. Um, so you said something about uh, maybe getting it the, the piece retracted in some somehow. Yeah, maybe having um, a bad day. Can you hear me at all? Can you? Hear yeah, me I, I think that you know probably uh, contacting the author directly would not do much good. If we wanted to contact uh, the editorial board and... Whatever, um, you know what I'm saying. But, contact them, period. And just say, look, it's not acceptable. Um, we have authorities and specialists that know, you know, the brass tacks of this. On the on the heels of a, a really good article coming out in San Jose about another measure passed by the San Jose um, County Council whereby any surveillance by police or sheriffs are, is going to have a – does anybody um, – has anybody read that? I know other TIs have been calling me and saying uh, – mentioning the measure that was passed in San Jose area, Santa Clara probably, dealing oh, yes. with illegal that, yeah. surveillance by authorities, by police and sheriffs, and it was passed, and they are going to have transparency, and there's going to be a citizen's board, and they will not be able to acquire, acquisition, any kind of DOD weaponry or surveillance, um, you know what I'm saying, any technology right. to use against the public. Have you seen this article yet? Because it came out on the same day, practically, as the New York Times piece. And it was the San Jose Sentinel, I believe, which uh, is probably just as poignant as the San Jose Mercury. Does anybody know yeah, which Mercury. paper that was? Mercury News, yeah. What was I, that, I Tomo? Mercury. Mercury News, yeah. Was Mercury. it the Mercury? Okay, yeah. they, uh-huh. they ran two... Santa Clara County passed that um, ordinance. Yeah. I mean, and and to further press that, Tomo and Derek, the thing is, is that you have UCSC right there. The the brightest and best minds are coming out of there. You got Notre Dame there. You have San Jose State, and it's right down the road from the Stanford Research Institute. These people, it's it's Silicon. It's basically Silicon Valley, and so for that area to decide, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. And you know, the Bay Area is reeling, reeling from the lack of housing, and you know, TIs end up in the street half or more of us. And so the Bay Area has been called to task 
about the exorbitant rates of the rent hikes and the homelessness, and nobody wants to take it anymore. And right at the same time that this article in New York comes out, you've got Governor Brown saying, look, I just signed a check that San Francisco and Los Angeles are going to get, what was it, $500 million to build housing to get people off the street. And if that doesn't speak to our plight, I don't know what does, because they are having a lot of anti-surveillance measures passed through um, Sacramento. And they want really? more. And what I yes, they and I would love to have Todd. He he said he would be willing to present something. Derek, I've been begging people to help me um, on the side because I know you guys have your own things that you're going after. Darlene's group, your group, Renetta, whoever. Um, there's a congressional submittance that's going on. But there's also that Governor Brown wants proof. He wants people to talk and write their experiences. And I could get it to a contact person. And I am nobody, but I'm somebody. So, you know, right on the heels of this nasty article, embarrassing Brother Timothy Trespass, the way that they did, and he looks like he's next to death, who wouldn't believe who wouldn't believe him? He's not talking to himself when when the um you know he's he, he, is there a video with this article from New York Times? I mean you're gonna be able to go on um YouTube if they announce that he has a YouTube channel. He's not talking to trees and he's not talking to himself. He's presenting, you know. The majority of what Timothy Trespass talks about is our experiences. He's well-spoken. He's in technology. He was a music engineer living in Manhattan. And why should he look like he's ready for the grave tomorrow? There is no Here's Morgellons. He has Morgellons, you know. I mean, that man's ill. That man is ill. And they put a big picture of him under this heading of Paranoid America. I mean, it was so sick that they did that because that man is physically ill with more gallons. So he looks like hell. And I just want to say something, and then i got to get off because I'm really getting blasted. They don't want me telling you all this. But from, um, I have some information. Uh, this is Roseanne, and because I wrote a book, I was interviewed for this article. And the questions were sort of leading into, well, maybe you're mentally ill. Like, um, what do your friends think about this? Do they believe you? Uh, do you have friends that aren't targeted? Things like that. So what I did with it was I answered as best I could, and uh, then I, I established uh, Would you stop making noise, whoever's doing that, please? I established a uh, email correspondence with Mike, and I sent him the following. 
I sent him one of Stan and Joe's reports. I sent him Ben Colleton's uh, letter to other psychologists talking about the technology involved in these cases. I sent him the uh, video of the uh, Richmond City Council meeting, which decided uh, the Space Preservation Act. I sent him um, Jesse Ventura's Brain Invaders. I told him about Robert Duncan. I sent him information about John McCarthy possibly getting involved. I sent him a link to Massey Monroe's uh, for U.S. Senate. I sent him all that, and he acknowledged it and said, thank you. I will look into this. When the article came out and I realized that it was so biased, it was so biased, and I knew Robert Duncan had been contacted and told him the truth about everything. And I wrote a uh, an article on my um, blog. It's called The Question- Questionable Reporting of the New York Times. And TIs, including Karen Stewart, are leaving comments on it because it's getting tremendous hits. And uh, in that article, I pasted the emails that uh, our whole email conversation, my whole email conversation with Mike. And I said, why was not, why was none of this included? This is not investigated journalism. In investigated journalism, you 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 show both sides of any controversy. You show all the information, and that wasn't done. Okay, so you can look that up. Please leave a comment. Another place that people are leaving comments is that the New York Times has a Facebook page, and and TI is leaving comments. They have paced, uh, posted the story. Um, Paranoid America on their Facebook page and TIs are leaving comments on on there. Um, if you are on Facebook, look up Robert Duncan. He put out a statement that's absolutely brilliant. Um, he put out his whole interview with Mike McFate. And once again, you can see none of it was included. So I just wanted to give you those references, and uh, now I've got to get off. I'm getting really badly attacked, so I'll be listening. Thank you. Um, one thing, I think what's going on is that this um, the journalist might have been bribed um, to write this article. I mean, he's, he probably knows the, the whole scenario. And and then decided to take the pop side, being bribed by the pop. That that's possible. Okay, uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking about the New York Times article. And if you'd like to comment, uh, star eight is the request to talk feature, and I can unmute your line. Um, maybe we could have uh, targeted individuals Europe and UCARC contact the uh, New York Times. Those are our sister uh, TI websites in Europe. I, I don't Good know. If, 
Okay, I'm sorry. What was your comment again, uh, Najma? Um, targeted individuals, Europe, the website, European website for TI, and yeah. UART, Magnet Olson's uh, website. Uh, maybe they could um, contact the New York Times and and say there are thousands of us in Europe too, and we are not crazy. <laughs> and also, how can this guy make a blank statement about ten thousand people he's never met and say they're all they're all delusional? He hasn't met everybody. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, this is. Uh, I, I mean, he almost sounded militant to me. Um, you know, the things that he was saying, and uh, almost as if um, he had, you know, some type of uh, an agenda or something. Maybe he knows somebody that was, uh, maybe somebody that was targeted. Did somebody do something to this guy? I don't know. It was just very, very negative. And, uh, you know, as... Um, as Roseanne was saying, usually they present a balanced uh, report where they show both sides and they present information and, um, and the reader can, um, can weigh both sides and make a decision. But this was totally one-sided and he almost went so far as to suggest that TI should be rounded up and all thrown in the mental institution. They should not be running around society uh, loose. And that was almost what he said in this article. So it was it was really over the top. Well, I think it, sounds, it sounds a lot like the predators and perpetrators that are after us and the psychology that runs them. And but my take is that if if it's a countermeasure of propaganda propaganda against TIs. That indicates to me very clearly that in the covert war of, of social engineering, they actually have been threatened by the vocal information, you know, exchange that we have been doing across the globe. So it's, it's most likely a response to us getting some headway uh, in the public eye. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone public with their side of the story. That's my take on it. So in a way, it's a very positive thing. That means we're having as much of an impact that they decided they have to do a countermeasure response to our media push. Hey, there's, one, there's one heading in the article that says, uh, the states, a growing tribe of troubled minds. And that was just, you know, just one of the headings. And there's a really um, uh, expect, uh, particularly uh, biting sentence that he wrote. And I'm going uh, to see it in just a minute. But this is really a, um, a hatchet piece. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really an attack against the community. Yeah, but it is, again, it's because of the psychology of the kind of warfare, the mind control warfare that we're facing, they've decided, it seems, to take it up another notch into the media 
to fight, you know, and to make it known what their side would be. I mean, just the fact that they mention rounding people up, I mean, that's clearly, you know, uh, coming from the intelligence community and their attitude towards us. So I think it means that, I think it means that we're having an impact and they had to upgrade on their propaganda. And I won't say any more. That's all I want to do. Tell you about. Uh, well, yeah. I was just to say I I agree with Sue. I think I think she has a good take on it. There is something else I was thinking too. We've always said that reporters can be threatened like any anybody else can. So uh, it's very possible that I was piped into into uh, leaning it in the way he lent, he he took it. I haven't read the article, and I understand it's horrible, um, but it does sound very much like he could have been turned in the direction he turned by being either targeted himself or threatened, because he understands he understands the uh, the dangers one faces when you are targeted now, possibly. So anyway, that's just my take on it. Okay. Well, here this is. And that was particularly damaging. Okay, and this is um, this is something that was read uh, by uh, a professional journalist uh, journalist for the New York Times, and and well, the most high-profile um, newspaper in the country. And this sentence says these individuals represent an alarming development in the history of mental illness. Thousands of sick people banded together and demanding recognition on the basis of shared paranoias. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, does that sound, uh, how does that sound to you guys? It sounds like the agenda that we've been told is uh, in operation against us already. It sounds like it was fully articulated. Well, yeah, it does. And he goes on to say they raise money, they hold awareness campaigns, they host international conferences. Uh, He's aware of the international groups. And they fight their causes in courts and legislatures. It's almost as if he's saying that these people are allowed, somehow allowed to be uh, walking the streets free. So, um, I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> and shouldn't have the right to file their cases in court. Right, right. The most important people I think we have are people like Dr. Farber, Dr. Hall, and those who are involved in... Uh, we used to have a psychiatrist who was a TI uh, from Alabama who was on the calls, and people got mad at him because he was a psychiatrist. So, I right. think we... When we have somebody who's on our side in that profession, this is this is what um, this is what has happened to that profession, which is really based on um, their opinion anyway. You know, they don't have to go by that DSMO or whatever it is. They don't have to go by that. They can just go by their own personal opinion of your personality and write it down, and it it's there. So that's dangerous. And the fact that Dr. Um, I think Dr. Farber said that this this profession, this part of medical technology, medical uh, community, 
latched on to the pharmaceutical industry way back in the 70s or 80s, and it became it became money making. That's important, and this is a very powerful. What's going on here? <laughs> this is a very powerful segment of our community that needs to be addressed in that way. Psychology and psychiatry is trying to take over. The World Health Organization has even started uh, with the idea that, hey, now we don't need to just send uh, medical doctors in. We've got to send psychiatrists in because it's really uh, taking over the world or they're having trouble with the world now, understanding that um, third world countries are having so many psychiatric problems now. They're going to have neurologists in there with uh, uh, taking care of them too, rather than just binding wounds and uh, healing illnesses. So okay. that is getting worldwide, and it, it's concerning me. Okay, and and I said earlier that he was almost advocating that uh, target individuals should be rounded up, and this is yeah. the sentence that um, I was referring to. And here he says, the community poses a danger that sets it apart from other groups promoting troubling ideas, such as anorexia or suicide. So he's almost trying to label this community as a danger to society, which is disconcerting. Well, the woman that used the word social propaganda, that was good words. Because most people who read newspapers believe every word. And the theory is if you keep repeating something, they look at it as the truth. So this may not be the last we hear of this because that's what newspapers tend to do, kind of repeat the same negative message. And I personally think that more TIs writing in is it the answer that if anything's going to be done, it's going to have to be the Robert Duncans and the scientists. Because I think more TIs writing in is could feed this article. That's my opinion. Well, you could be right. That could be, that's a good point. Um, and the, the the next question um, is where um, to whom should TIs appeal with their message? Uh, certainly not um, to the. Uh, well, there's going to be a protest on Monday, and um, I think Tyrone wants to make an announcement about that. Uh, Tyrone, are you there? Did you want to say something about that? Yeah, I am here. I've just kind of been listening to everyone, and, you know, this whole article has me somewhat uh, somewhat excited, somewhat depressed, you know, excited because finally something was in the news about this, uh, depressed because there was, several important items that were left out of the article, uh, mainly Robert Duncan. Uh, you know, I'm kind of agreeing with the lady who says that more TI should not write in, but, um, you know, if this is what we're allowing the public to believe, you know, what's happening to us uh, as far as the, uh, the, the misconceptions that we're telling the public. Uh, if we don't get out there and, you know, try to raise awareness with facts, like you said, you know, Robert Duncan was left out, you know, of the article. You know, you believe that Robert Duncan and the scientists are people uh, we should be promoting. You're absolutely right. Um, I got about three or four TIs right now. I'm trying to get another 12 or 13 before I can, you know, literally purchase my ticket and just leave and, you know, head to New York. Uh, but I do plan on being there Monday. And I'll be there for a few weeks, you know, however many days it takes. I've contacted several other 
uh, media outlets who are willing to cover the story uh, if there's a number of us who show up there, you know, wearing same T-shirts, um, you know, looking presentable, you know, uh, appearances, unfortunately, what the world judges everyone on. You know, that's how the Kardashians got so rich. <laughs> but, you know, we can't show up as the, you know, um, uh, beards all over our face, hair all over our head, and, you know, look like we haven't showered or shaved in, you know, a month of Sundays, you know, even though that's what they do to us. Um, I don't expect, you know, everyone to show up. As far as writing letters, if we can come up with a standard letter and start sending it to other uh, media, you know, media outlets uh, to kind of show them that that the uh, New York Times did a uh, horrible piece, you know, about this, uh, it might show in our favor. You know, we can also include the fact that, um, you know, Bill Clinton admitted that non-consensual experimentation does happen. Um, I truly believe we all need to talk about one particular topic that the article mentioned, which was never gave up ambitions of MKUltra, because that's exactly what this is. You know, we're all in, a, in an evolved version of MKUltra. MKUltra was drugs. It was kidnapping people off the streets. And that was exposed in 1973. But what a lot of people are noticing is that in 1976, that's when the patent for remote neural monitoring was issued. So anyone with any common sense would be able to understand that three years later, after they've gathered all the data from all these subjects that they've tortured, um, you know, given drugs, they were doing all kind of mind manipulation techniques with technology, then they said, okay, well, we never have to get caught again. Why? Because we've developed a technology that can remotely do this while you're in your home. Um, nowadays, there are several technologies being exposed uh, to help us explain this. You have brain-to-brain interface technology that, every college across America is pretty much working on. And if you look at the technology, you know, most people say, well, I have a microchip implant in me. Um, that whole technology, the basis of it, doesn't have a microchip implant. It's literally just like a little uh, swimming cap on someone's head with electrodes attached. In between the swimming cap and your brain, there's nothing. You know, there's literally nothing but your hair and your scalp. So that's the same basis as remote neural monitoring. You know, this stuff is Wi-Fi. Instead of the electrodes, they're, they're attacking the same parts of your brain that they would be attacking if you had the electrodes onto a, uh, onto a swimming cap. Um, as far as the gang stalking, that's going to be something that's going to be very difficult for us to prove. That's what they're trying to use against us, the fact that most of us, 99% of us who are TIs, we all focus on the people who are following us. Um, you know, the, the break-ins in our house. And I know it's important. I really know it's important. But if more of us start talking about being attacked with these weapons, the fact that we can't sleep at night, if people say, well, what about, what about the gang stalkers? Well, what if your gang stalker is just a simple victim getting V2K, being told everywhere you are, being told to follow you, being told to come in and slander you? Well, that also brings in the weapons. Um, if you notice the entire article, their whole point of calling us paranoid was talking about we're being followed. Oh my gosh, we got dozens of people following us. I'm not saying I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about it. All I'm saying is that we need to come up with a, a better way, a better approach, uh, to bring the message out to the public. I get game stalked, I'm not gonna lie to you. I get organized stalking whenever I go on any of my events, any of my events and I've got it for years. But I rarely talk about it. 
you know, I do not talk about it, and I'll tell you why. Because in my in my situation, in my situation, what scares me more is the fact that I can't defend myself against a gang stalker or organized stalker or anyone else when I'm being attacked with these weapons. You know, if it wasn't for the weapons, my life would be so much better. You know, gang stalkers rarely have ever approached someone and harmed them. You know, I know it's very uncomfortable having people follow you. So this this coming up Monday, uh, I'm actually trying to get as many people as I can meet with me in front of the New York Times. Uh, we might take it. We might wait another week just so I can make sure T-shirts are ordered, we have signs ordered, and that we have enough people. Uh, I I pretty much believe we can have up to, what, two or three weeks from the time the article was printed to actually, you know, organize. You know, that's something that they hold against us. We do not organize as a group very well, and it's difficult. You know, I have trouble with my own thoughts. I have trouble with forced speech. I have all kinds of trouble with being attacked. But I do believe if more of us organize and we get out there in front of the New York Times publicly, you know, and we stand out there and we raise awareness, it will bring so much attention to this topic. And if we do it the right way to get us the press that we need, you know, that, that can actually bring it out into the public, you know, don't just hold signs of I'm a victim. We can all sit out there and hold signs of Robert Duncan and say, the New York Times ran an article and he left out an important uh, interview from a whistleblower. You know, that's powerful. You know, the public wants to know about this. Robert Duncan ended his three-page letter with, the public has a right to know. So if anyone wants to join me, just send me an email at tiawareness at yahoo.com. You know, I, I welcome everyone from all over the United States if you can make it there. I know we don't have any money. If you need to catch a bus to get there and get back, I'll be there and I'll be homeless. So more than likely, I'll sleep out in front of the New York Times, um, you know, until the there's plenty of homeless people sleeping out there. Uh, but that's where I'll be. Okay. Um, thank you, Tyrone, uh, for sharing that. Uh, if anyone has uh, comments about um, his statements, uh, feel free at this time. Just joining us, uh, we're talking about the, uh, the New York Times article that was published a few days ago. Uh, everyone is muted at this time, except for those who have uh, star eight on their phone. And um, that lets me, all, lets me know that you'd like to speak, and I will unmute your line. Um, this is Rosanna again. I have more information. Um, there is some... Uh, countermeasures already being done. Um, there's a website called intellihub.com and they seem to be defending us big time. And they're very, very popular. They're in the top 1% of alternative media in the country. And they have our back and they have put out uh, lots of articles about stalking and um, electronic harassment. And they put out one called New York Times Hit Piece on Targeted Individuals. It says, believing that the government is targeting its citizens is crazy. <laughs> That's a good one to look up. Um, Ramola. I never know how to say your last name, Damaraj, I think. 
And she has a wonderful blog called uh, Everyday Concerned Citizen. And she's out there. She has, I think she's published a couple of pieces, including Robert Duncan's letter about this. Um, if you're on Facebook, go to Robert Duncan's site um, page and share that letter all over the place. You know, find these find these articles that are writing this and share it all over the place. Send out emails because they're really good articles. <laughs> and they point out the fact that the New York Times was given a whole bunch of information that they totally ignored, and therefore this is a, an extremely biased piece. And the more of that information that gets circulated, the better. So get on your computers and look for the things that I'm mentioning and, and share them to everybody you can. Okay. The um, I did see the article um, in, in Telehub. And that was very uh, well-written. It was uh, sympathetic towards TIs. And um, I recall uh, oh. they were kind of baffled uh, as to why the New York Times uh, chose to write this this, um, this article totally from the standpoint of um, uh, this derogatory stance. It was not a balanced piece at all. Hello. And um, just a minute, please. Um, so these are some of the points that were that were raised in this article, and uh, I thought it was um, um, it was sympathetic to our cause, and their observations were correct in terms of um, uh, what this article stood for, and um, the alternative media. Uh, we've always had sympathy in the alternative media for our cause. So um, hopefully um, there will be some more articles written uh, and uh, uh, supporting us and uh, in this uh, hatchet piece from the, uh, the New York Times. But regardless, um, our movement uh, will continue uh we've we've made a lot of expansion a lot of progress over the past few months in the past year and uh that will continue um and something like this um uh, to come along to try to uh stem the tide of our progress is something to be expected from the perpetrators so um but one thing we have to be, though, in order for this to be successful, our movement, is that we have to work together. It seems that this community is very fragile sometimes in terms of its uh, unity and its ability to unify and to rally and to do things. And uh, it seems uh, sometimes always on the verge of someone causing disruption and disunity um, because of a thought, word, or deed, uh, our unity sometimes seems very, very fragile. 
Uh, but these are some some things that we need to work on until our unity is strong and unshakable because there are things such as this New York Times piece that will come along to try to um, to shake our unity. And there are um, an infinite variety of ways that that can happen. And the perps uh, are filled with ideas about how to to gouge the unity that we have. So um, we did survive um, that uh, uh, the, uh, the yeah, dismembering of FFCHS that happened last year. And uh, somehow most of you saw past the, the false accusations and have decided to stay together. And uh, as long as we can see the goal and see that we are making progress, I think many of you will stay together. And you've got to really recognize the many various ways that perpetrators come in to try to deceive and to cause disunity and discord. So um, we have a lot to learn in terms of cohesiveness as a community. And that's something that we have to learn and to practice. And I will do what I can to try to keep um, everyone on track uh, because it's very, what well, seems sometimes very easy to get uh, TIs off track to um, uh, to de- to derail us uh, sometimes as we are working uh, working our way towards our goal. Um, at the same time, I will say though that there will always be a core group of individuals who do see uh, what the perpetrators are doing and who have made the decision and the commitment to stay together and to work together. So. Um, I would invite all of you to kind of keep that in view, keep that in mind, that um, unity will always be under assault by the, by, um, by the perpetrators and to, uh, to see beyond the superficiality and uh, kind of look beyond the surface uh, circumstances to see and see exactly what is real and what the perps are doing. And if we can keep that before us, our goals before us, that is, um, I believe that we can stay on course and arrive at our goal of freedom. Okay. Um, That's all I have to say about that. Eric, Um, can I throw one thing in that you're probably not going to like? Can I say it? The only thing I want to say about being a TI is, well, there's a lot, but I want to comment on what you just said, because sometimes if you're in a relationship with somebody and you have something to say that the other person may not want to hear, what you can hear back a lot is you're being mind-controlled, a very famous statement for us TIs to say to each other when... Perhaps the truth is coming out, and it's not being mind-controlled. That's all I want to say. <laughs> wow. You okay. know what I mean? Uh, 
sort of. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of times if you say something to somebody and they don't want to hear it and you, and you feel it's the truth, they will turn around and say, you're being mind-controlled to say that. Whereas in reality, you're not being mind-controlled in that moment. You're trying to bring something up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And, um, I see it a lot in, in, the, in the community as an ex- it could be used as an excuse. I okay. guess I'm not saying it. I'm sorry. I guess. Yeah, I'm... I mean, yeah. If you say if you say something like that to someone, that's kind of. Um, you know, in other words, the comment is you're being mind controlled. It's the perps making you say that. Well, I think as true as that statement might be, I think um, you need a better choice of words. Um, you might say something like. Um, I feel that the perpetrators are manipulating this conversation. Right, but that may not be the truth. Right. Somebody might say that because they don't want to hear the truth, and you know darn well it's what you're trying to say. It has nothing but to yeah, do with it. But it's kind of like the same thing, but only in a way that, that preserves the person's dignity. Mm-hmm. I get what she's saying, though. She's making a lot of sense. Thank it you. Is- I, I wasn't sure I was explaining it right, but, but I've had the experience. And, I've, you know, before I was a PI, I've had a lot of relationships with people, and we usually would be very honest with each other. And we would say, you know, maybe you do something that kind of irks me. Can I just mention it? And never do you ever hear anybody say, you're being mind-controlled. Right. I think the problem is, that, and I've heard this so much on the calls, is that we tend to attribute every problem to the technology. And it's not always. We're still human beings. Right. With right. the same emotions. That's a good way of putting it. In right. The situations that we've always had. So and an awful lot are, but many aren't. <laughs> well, I, I think that uh, a lot of conversations are more controlled and maybe not controlled, but spiced up from the perpetrators than we think. There are so many perps around us per individual that um, that we really are not aware of all that they are doing. Um, and it could be that they are manipulating a lot more than, than we think. And that is so true. So I think that, I think that is... I think we have to kind of work on verbiage because people can become offended, especially if you say what you just said to to them, they would probably take it the wrong way. And I think that they will become offended and then you would have, you would end up in an argument. I'm just saying there are two, there are two possibilities. One is the one you said and one is the one I said. And I think as TIs, we tend to go overboard. And like the other lady said, you know, somebody might walk by and, you know, I'm a cell phone. They got me cell phone stimulus. So somebody might just be walking by looking at his cell phone. But I automatically think it's a perp walking by doing something with the cell phone, automatically. I'm just saying there's there's yeah. got to be a balance, you know. It's yep. just 
can't be totally TI side. That's right. my opinion. Okay. The well, the last thing know, we need is, to do is to be paranoid. We're not paranoid. <laughs> this is the reality that's going on. We are reacting rationally to something that's being done to us. That's not paranoia. But if we exhibit paranoia, people are going to have a lot to say. It's going to harm us. And that's very important for us to remain grounded. Yeah, because a lot of the paranoia in my eyes is created by what's being done to our central nervous system. The paranoia, to me, a lot of it is anxiety as a result of what's being, our, our central nervous system is being destroyed. Yeah, it is. That can look like well, paranoia. you know what, I, I think that, um, you know, and sometimes, um, you know, I forget how uh, intricately involved the perps are in our daily activities. For instance, uh, and I mentioned this to you guys just a few weeks ago, and, um, you know, we're sitting on this call and we're chatting away, but, you know, the instant I get up to go to the restroom, 30 seconds later, someone is having an argument and they're calling my name. It, I mean, just seconds later, I've been here the whole time, but if I got up, I know if I had to go to the restroom and I got up and walked over, you know, 10 feet away, 30 seconds later, someone would be in an argument and calling them. It happens every single time. That's right. That's right. And what do all TIs report? They report all their friends and family turning away from them, right? Now, that's not normal. I'm sorry, that's not normal. Even if somebody thought you were mentally ill, why would they turn away from you? Because they think you're mentally ill. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, exact no, that's, that's the exact how... reason why. That's the exact yeah, reason why they no, turn away from not, us. That's because not how are... most of us would, uh, someone we love and we think there's some sort of mental illness going, we're going to turn away from them? Well, actually, if you if, if you were the family member who were being accused and you weren't doing anything and you're always being accused of something that you're not doing, like the like the lady just said who was on the phone, the one that says that TIs go overboard. I totally agree. If you read the article, they had one thing in there that says they commiserate uh, on Facebook and in call-in conferences uh, with skepticism about family members and uh, coworkers who are, you know, in on the campaign. And you know what? A lot of the times, we may be wrong with accusing family members, but our family members, I'm telling you, if I was not a victim of this stuff, I would not believe it. And if anyone started accusing me of doing something that I'm not, I just wouldn't be bothered with them. You know, that's the whole, that, that, that's the new passive way of America. You know what? I don't want to fight. I don't want to argue. And how do I avoid it? Well, just, well, how do I avoid a fight and argument? Just avoid that person entirely. So that's what they're doing to us, you know? That's what they're doing, and we feel very um, – uh, uh, we feel offended because we're going, well, you're, you're in on this, you're in on this, but a lot of the times we're just totally grasping at straws where, you know, our mind is being manipulated with thoughts that aren't real. I've experienced it myself. I've had conversations about things that never happened. I mean, these, these are not things that I admit in public or admit to anyone really. But I can sit up here, I've had conversations and arguments, I mean, arguments with family members about things that never occurred. And when, and when, when I'm finished with the fourth speech and I, and I go somewhere and I get away and I go, gosh, you know, 
how in the hell did you guys get me to talk about something that never even happened? You know, a whole situation. And sometimes I forget. So I understand when it's like, you know what, as a family member, I don't want to have anything to do with these people who are, you know, accusing me or a family member or a friend or even a coworker, you know. So she's right. And, Derek, you're right. It's all about the verbiage. We have to, we have to reeducate ourselves as to what we talk about, as to how we discuss this with the public and even with our friends. Because you're right. Uh, uh, you got one conference call where you got someone saying, it's the kids with the cell phones. And 99% of the times, you can't go anywhere in America without looking at someone with a cell phone. So now you put it, you put it in your mind that, oh, it's a cell phone because I'm being attacked as someone is looking at a cell phone. Someone is watching me with satellite, and they're attacking me with a radio tower with a frequency. So now I am, I am doing exactly what I would do as any human would do or any, any animal would do. I am relating my attack to my immediate surroundings. And so since we don't have any proof of this stuff, you know, that they are attacking us with cell phones, you've got, one con- you got two or three conference calls where everyone is going, see, it's the kids with the cell phones, these damn kids, and my, my girlfriend is this, she's sensitive, and, and you're attacking her, and, he, want, and he, wants to fight the, he wants to fight the little kid. And it starts to make sense to you. And in reality, it doesn't make any sense, you know. There is no whistleblower admitting that there is anyone attacking us with a cell phone. The whistleblower is admitting that, um, you know, we are being attacked with a, a, a comprehensive system comprised of radio towers, phase arrays, and satellites, and that's how we're being attacked because they're locked onto our brain print. Do you know nowadays that the technology is starting to be um, um, exposed to the public in a, in a friendly way? Brain print technology, I just recognized it the other day. I just seen an article about it. They're talking about how now the FBI can do more tracking on terrorists with the brain print. I mean, this was something that 15 years ago, it all seemed like what? Sci-fi technology. Your brain print? Wait a minute. You're trying to tell me that, yes, we all have different fingerprints, but now my brain is admitting the frequency? Come on now. You're crazy. But here it is 15 years later. And the technology is being exposed. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we have to do as a community to re-educate how we talk about this, who we believe is doing this stuff. You know, if if we're believing that everyone's out to get us, who are we going to ask for any help? You know, that's part of of the, um, the deception, part of the deception tactic. You know, make these people believe that, you know, their neighbor is in on it. Make them believe that they're their ex-coworker is in on it. Make them believe that, that their family member is in on it. Because if we got them blaming their family members and we got them blaming their coworkers and we have them blaming their friends, guess who they're not blaming? Me, the person who's doing it. So, I mean, you guys may not agree with me. I'm not trying to cause any, any, any arguments within the community. I'm just saying, you know, for once, I've heard someone else on this call say something that made a whole lot of sense. She went against the grain when she said TIs go overboard. That is not something that is that is talked about on these phone calls. And I truly believe a lot of these people who are uh, uh, having these conference calls are doing us a disservice because they're just spreading the disinformation, spreading the misconception. Thank you, Tyrone. Yes. The more I hear you, the more I like you, Tyrone. <laughs> Okay. Me too. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, I you wanted know to what? say something about um, the New York Times article being on Facebook with uh, the replies. Um, someone had sent me an email. It's up to like five, over 500 replies. Um, there's two different sites. One is New York Times Science and the other is New York Times. It takes a long time to get down to the one that was written. Um, the replies are you know, back to June 10th. But it's well worth getting back there and reading some of them. Um, some of the stories that people are telling on here are unbelievable. People that didn't know about this stuff and are, um, you know, reaching out to, to back up what TIs are saying. It's really nice to read. Kate, I just wanted to pipe in there. Thank you for the info on the two sites. Yeah, that's really good um, because... That's one of the things I think is a positive for bringing an article out like that, which, number one, causes controversy. Controversy gets people talking, and people talking brings the issues out for um, further discussion. That means more TIs are going to recognize, oh, that is what I'm going through. Oh, my God, you know, I didn't know there was such a big community. Let me go find those people. So I'm not so alone in it. I mean, in a way, this negativity in the guy's article can really push for a positive side like this other woman was saying. The responses, 500 responses, that's incredible. That's amazing. And I yeah. think there's a, a lot of good can come out of it because, again, controversy gets conversations going. And that means our issues are going to be discussed more. That's well, I'd like point. to say, thank you, Sumaya. What I, I wanted to I wanted say to... along with what Sumaya is saying uh-huh. is that one of the things that I think we're going to have to deal with as a TI community, and I'm only saying this because of the kind of perps that I have on me, which are programmer perps, ex-book perps, which are highly, highly developed in how to implant triggers if everybody remembers what trigger phrases are in each of us and then get them prompted in a, in a phone call, when people are trying to get us to change our opinion on one of these calls by continuing to use a manipulative energy as they are speaking, and those people doing that right now know who I'm talking to, we need to be, learn how to be aware of that. We all need to find out what dark NLP is. We all need to understand how our perps get on these calls and use dark NLP against us. If we don't understand how that stuff works and how they can actually start to manipulate us against us in a call, we are going to be down. We are, we are going to have our own set of problems. I am suggesting that we start to figure out how that works. And I've talked to a couple. Um, I don't know if people know who Eve Lorgan is or some of the people who are anonymous uh, counselors you know, who deal with abductee and NELAB and uh, TI people as their clients, they will tell you one of the first things you need to figure out is exactly how the dark NLP stuff is used on you as a TI. So on these calls sometimes, I hear the manipulative undertone of, of perps trying to get us to change what we're, how we look at it and go along with their view and I wonder how many people notice it. I am extremely sensitive to that for a number of reasons that have nothing to, to do with being a TI. But my well, you know, is that all the time. 
So I yeah, just want they, to share that. I agree with you to some extent. I think the New York Times article was, and some of what goes on on the calls is all about stealing our power. And right. you can call it what you want. You can call it your power, your ego, your self, you know, esteem. They're trying to steal it. Period. Because they don't want you to be powerful because they have taken you over for their experimentation. They don't want you to have any power. And that's what this is all about. That's what that New York Times article was about. They don't have any power. They're mentally ill. Write them off. Put them away. They're useless. You know, so our power is getting out there and saying, that's full of shit. Right. And putting out the information that we all know is true. And that's our power and our ego and our self-esteem. And it's very, very valid. Well, a couple of, one of the things is on the Curtis Senate call that we had earlier this week, he had talked about getting a letter out to us ones that we can give our health care providers and other people that is just plain fact. And that's what we need. Instead of getting caught in subjective, well, is that person perping us or not, which we need to be aware of and do our best with, which we're going to make mistakes, but we also should be aware of. If we have factual stuff where we can use our rational minds to look at it, like he says, zero, zero exposure. That is what a human being is capable of, zero exposure. And also, Tyrone, one of the things that he said you can add to your list of, of the system is he said, absolutely, the smart meter is a system. And so the way the smart meters get activated, and I'm an ex-communications engineer, the way that the smart meters get, get activated wirelessly through a community, through a location, causes a field to be generated. If you are within the field of the smart meters, that is another system. So it's not just satellite. It's not just cell phones. You've got the smart meter system. So somebody can sit at their home and start putting things actually through the smart meter into the field. That's how communications works. And suddenly you have an entire neighborhood that's, a perp, that's totally being perked right from somebody's house. They don't need satellite equipment. They don't need special gear. They can do it right from there. So that is the other system. And so Curtis was really, really clear about talking about that and that that is a system. So we also need to be aware of that, 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 we, that if we are in a community, that the last smart meter in the range and the first smart meter in the range that's being installed in like an array, well, that entire area is, is capable of being perked. So they don't even have to have a satellite. So we need to really get clear about some of this. You're right. You know what? You're absolutely right. There is you, a can't, you can't prove who's perp and who's not perp. And when you talk about it, you sound paranoid. So I think it's important to focus more on the technologies, the patented technologies that they exist, that it, that non-consensual experimentation has been going on in this country for a long time, and that, that uh, what we're reporting in this country is being reported in other countries, and we need to, to hit all of the media with this and not focus on perps. Have awareness of yeah. this, but not to talk about it so much, including on the calls. 
Well, you know what? to you know, I... stop talking about gang stalking. Can we say on foot and vehicular surveillance? You know, everybody understands surveillance right now in our world. You know, when you say gang stalking, it just sounds so crazy. This is on foot surveillance is what it is. You know, and, and that's been brought out in a few articles. And, and you know, the person who said this is good because it's opening up a dialogue, I completely agree with that. And and one other thing that I noticed, and I'll just put a little positive thing in here, Mike McFate, when he put all his references on his article, he picked the most credible videos he could find and the most credible people. And I thought to myself, this is almost going against what he's saying, because he could have picked all kinds of crazy uh, videos. You know, he picked John Hall, he picked Myron May, you know, very, very sane people who were, who were speaking well and not looking crazy. And, you know, I thought, what? This is strange. This is like... You know, he's saying these people are crazy, but he's showing very sane people talking about this. And I, you know, I wonder if he was instructed to do one thing, but wanted to do something else. You know, just a little. That reminded me, I just have to throw this in, of an article I saw. It said, take letters, front page, Sonoma County, the best Clean air in the in the in the area in Northern California, and there was an article. But the person that took the picture, two people are walking hand in hand, you know, on an in a nice park on a trail, and right above them are two chemtrails crisscrossing. <laughs> and there was something I thought along the same line, you know. I thought this person yeah. had to write one thing, but she really didn't say another thing. <laughs> Exactly what I'm saying. Exactly what I'm saying. I remember that story. Yeah, okay. You know, I, need to, I need to make an announcement video. at this point. Uh, guys, I need to uh, say something real quick. Uh, we have about uh, maybe 10 minutes or so left in the call uh, before it automatically closes. So if there um, if there be some that would like to open up a room after this call is, is um, closed, then um, we need to hear from me right away. Yeah, I'm willing to open up a call uh, about, let's see, we, whenever this call ends, my call number is 134-845. We can continue the talk and we can, you know, bring in other topics. So 134-845, I'll open the call a little while. Okay, and who is that speaking? This is Sue Maya. Oh, Sue Maya, okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to thank everyone for their um, marvelous input tonight in terms of this New York Times article. It really was beautiful to get all this dialogue and to see that the opposing views will be heard, are being heard, and how um, controversy does get people talking. Sue, I totally believe with you as far as opening up the issues for so many people to take a look at and understand. But everyone's input following that, I found so very valuable and helpful. You guys said it in many more words than I could possibly say, so thank you all. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I really believe that it's time. And the only reason that there was a controversial article placed in such a prominent newspaper is that we are making a difference. That's my belief. They wouldn't have felt the need to push back at us if we weren't. So it's not so covert anymore. Right. I agree. Well, yeah, we um we're kind of uh recovering. We're in a state of recovery from last year's um splintering of FFCHS. And uh surprisingly I really didn't ex- I really thought that uh the perps didn't expect us to, to come together after this. Uh, however we have. And uh, the majority of people have chosen to stay together with the main group, and uh, and we're we're making progress. Um, so I think that um, that uh, you guys are right. Your observations are correct. That they want to roadblock us at this point uh, because we are continuing to make progress. We were making progress last year, and. That's what happened, and we're continuing to make progress, and they're still trying to um, prevent that. So, uh, but we um, are willing to to keep moving forward. I know the I know American Free Press newspaper has printed articles on TIs, and we need to reach out to all the media outlets and write intelligent letters as TIs. And and have I have some of our uh, uh, spokespersons uh, who are professional um, a, a psychologists and whistleblower scientists also write to those media outlets. We need to uh, and 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 uh, uh, people who are representing entire organizations here and in Europe need to to to, to uh, uh, respond to this by by talking about it to other media outlets. I wanted to to say one other thing. I um, wish I would have read Robert. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead. I, 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 no, I'm sorry. My perps are, are putting these unbelievable sounds through my phone right now. Um, anyways, the other thing I wanted to say is I wish I would have read Robert Duncan's book, um, Matrix Deciphered, uh, way, way sooner in my targeting because he lists so many of the ways that were targeted that are not listed in the other things on the internet. Oh God, sorry, that my perps are just messing with me. One of the things that they talk here, yeah, they talks about in that book that I know my perps are like experts on. I'm I'm also a psychic person, so I can tell what my perps are doing psychically, and that is um, the the relationships between us and the connections between us, and I mean the literal energetic connections between us. There are connections between our chakras that all of us have. There are connections through the field of interdependence that we have. There are ways that we communicate unspoken to each other that most people don't know. That is how we actually are truly heard. Um, Different traditions from the East talk about uh, that there is a telepathic communication between us and our, our parents and our family all the time. And they work on enhancing that so there's less com- less problems with wording. 
And the reason I bring that up is that in his book, he talks about how the CIA has been looking at that type of communication between people for a very long time, and that they have been trying to figure out how to control the communication between people. And you might ask, well, why would they want to do that? Well, they're looking for how is it that different people trust each other and other people don't trust each other. They're looking for the mechanics of how people relate to each other. And in that way, they can control the masses. They can control an individual. They can control the masses if they know how people relate to each other. And my perps have massively, massively manipulated my connections between me and the rest of the world, me and nature, me and food. I mean, these people are looking at biocommunication resonance between me and, and a rock, me and a tree, and are breaking those connections. They're looking at connections between me and animals, me and the stars, me and another person, and then they're breaking those in order to isolate me. And the reason I'm bringing that up is all we have to do is look at the relationships in our lives to see that somebody is messing with them. Somebody is messing with them, and we are a major control group of some experiment as to just how far the CIA has come and other groups have come, and I'm, I mean rogue criminal groups have come. I don't mean to interrupt, but I've been waiting all a long time trying to make this announcement dealing with these people, with the city officials. Now, if you want to hear it, I can say it. If not, you can keep on talking. I was trying to no, no, I'm, I just like to say I, I'm totally with the woman that is just talking. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I wish I could make a comment, but I guess we need Amy to. Go ahead, okay, Amy. Hopefully, hopefully we can get back to that. Uh, Amy, go ahead and make your announcement. Okay, uh, well, I talked to my, my city official, Nate Bates. And he told me that was very good what we was doing about this resolution, but he said if I wanted to get to the next level, he told me that I have to do exactly the same thing Thomas was talking about. I have to use the exact same steps I did with the resolution to get the city officials in, not the city officials, but the, the, the congressional members, the senators, and the district, the the district, um, the 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 district, uh, whoever the people are, the, the congressional members, the senators, and the district in my area to sign on to the resolution and get my council member, I mean not my council member, my county supervisor to do the same thing. Once they sign on, have them uh, propose it to the legislators to ban these, to get it on the um, the bill, the right of bill to uh, make it come, put it into law to ban the space-based weapons being used on the on the citizens in this city and abroad. He said that these individuals can get together and do that. So that's what he told me. That He said once I do that, then that will bring powers. So he give us powers to do something different. He said he want to see what I would do in six months. So this is what he told me to do. Wow. You know, that's what we've been doing the past 10 years, Amy. Right, but he told me not just to deal with them, but to deal with the people, people that got influenced to make them 
change and do something. You can't, you can't just take take the people. We just can't do it. Have the people be back us, the public, the city officials, all these di- different people to back us and support. Help be that one voice together. Okay, well, um, I think that we can include them, but yes. uh, maybe at a later stage, at, you know, at first, we need to, to start making some progress, some immediate progress. Uh, right. What you're talking about is is a long-term project that's years in the making. Uh, there are some smaller projects that we need to do that will give us right now results. And that is something passed locally, and that is uh, local networking with, uh, as we were talking about earlier, with um, grassroots organizations like um, like those that um, uh, that Todd encountered at the Left Forum. Um, if we can get those groups to sign on to our issues and to support them, uh, we can start to work with them in bringing this issue to the public. And then at, at the same time, work with city officials and to outline this type of um, uh, criminalizing the use of these devices. And all of that can happen at the local level, and it can happen rather quickly. We're talking about weeks or months. And this could give us some immediate results, some immediate relief for those who are being targeted. That's what we're looking for. Hello. Can you guys hear me? Yes. I wanted to, uh, this is a brilliant conversation. It's very colorful and very wonderful, and it's expanding in in new directions, and it's all wonderful what everyone is saying. And I wanted to um, to sort of expand on, um, we'll talk about how we have a focus and we have a mission and we each have a part to play. And it's important if we choose to do so to stay focused on what our part of the divine plan or our part of, you know, bringing peace to the planet and shutting down this corruption is and at the same time, part of that is be being very aware um, where it's necessary um, of how important it is to be aware of how we're being interfered with. I see this on a daily basis, both in the general public, where just regular people who have no idea what organized stalking is are getting interfered with by the government, by the dark forces, by my perps, um, psychically with remote viewing, with uh, you know, with advanced technology and influencing them on how they interact with me. And without that influence, I have a, it's a very, very easy interaction and relationship. But with, with that influence, a lot of people, um, and I include some TIs and even some of the, the conference calls get influenced in a very subtle way. And so if we can become a little bit more aware of what's influencing us then we can stay more focused and, you know, and we can be a little bit more productive, you know, and I also want to add that I have a vision, you know, of us, um, well, I mean, I'm, I have some prophetic skills and, uh, 
you know, I, I heard a few years ago, it said, when all the forces of light come together, the dark does not stand a chance. And I recently had a vision of that. And if the TI community can come together, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.